I'd be proud. Of what? If you were my dad. Oh, come on, don't start. <laughs> well, you said you were told he will knock four times and then you die. Well, that's him, isn't it? The master. That noise in his head. The master is going to kill you. and kill him first. And that's how the master started. It's not like I'm an innocent. I've taken lives. And I got worse, I got clever. Manipulated people into taking their own. Sometimes I think the Time Lord lives too long. I can't. I just can't. If the Master dies, what happens to all the people? I don't know. Doctor? What happens? The template snaps. Well, they go back to being human. They're alive. And human. And don't you dare, sir. Don't you dare put him before them. Now, you take this. That's an order, Doctor. Take the gun. You take the gun and save your life. And... Please don't die, you're the most wonderful man and I don't want you to die. Hello and welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast with me, Matthew, and as always, I am joined with... Hello, I'm Scott. Hello, Scott. It is our last proper breakdown episode of the year. Yes, it's our, our last. Our last. I don't. I don't know what we call these. I call them reviews in the titles. They're not really reviews because we're, we're kind of. They're more like deep dives, but also I don't really want to call them deep dives. But like I don't know what we what we call them. Just podcast episodes. But yeah, <laughs> uh, this is our last story that we're looking at. Our very last episode of this year. Next next week we will be doing a news podcast. I think which will be the actual yeah. last episode. Um, but this is our I'm, last episode episode, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, uh, we, ha- we haven't really discussed what our plans off camera, but I should have mentioned this. Do you want to take the first week of January off and then start on the second week? Uh, I, I could do. I, I... <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> does, it, does it still fit with our schedule? Uh, I mean, we I'm... had plans, but we yeah. could easily just, yeah. Because I, I, just... I don't want to super mess with our plans. A week off would be nice, though. Yeah, but. we've we've been we haven't had a week off since the beginning of the year, so yeah, it'd be nice. Apart from that week where we were late. Yeah, but even then called. we we weren't we weren't late by a week. We were late yeah. by like three days, you know. And then we still recorded twice in the, uh, one week to catch up. But. But yeah, a week off in January, and then we'll be back with a new Doctor Who 
episodes and i I say new but i mean old doctor who episodes (laughs) (laughs) it's a long time still till there's new doctor who episodes like just just less than a year which is oh god painful uh but the episode we are looking at today is the end of time part two uh last week we covered the end of time part one if you missed that go back and listen to it or don't not much happens in it and you'd probably (laughs) be all right just listening to part two honestly uh this episode aired on the 1st of january 2010 which was an upsetting 12 years 11 months and 20 days ago uh, at the day of recording which is the 21st of december almost 13 years ago david tennant regenerated 13 years 13 13 years you <laughs> we were saying this off camera but there's been like sorry free doctor who regeneration since then which is yeah. mental to think about it feels like david tennant is still so fresh and matt smith is still yeah. so fresh yeah and i've i've barely had time to register about the uh, peter capaldi left the series i know <laughs> and we're already back on david tennant <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Not too much happened on this day, but if we turn our eyes to history in 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation is issued by Abraham Lincoln, freeing all the slaves within the U.S. Confederate States. Uh, And, of course, racism ended. Yes, yes, the cure of racism. Uh, In 1896, a German physicist called Wilhelm Röntgen announces his discovery of X-rays and didn't give anybody superpowers, which was pretty disappointing, I think. Nobody, yeah, when you said X, I was thinking X Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's probably what he was thinking as well in 1896. He was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be Wolverine." Uh... <laughs> In 1907, the U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt shakes a record 8,513 hands in one day. I don't know if this is true, but it came up, and I was like, there's no way I'm not including this random-ass fact. Like, it's such a weird thing for it to, like, why would you say it if it's not true? So, like, surely it is, but who was counting those hands? Is there any context to why he was shaking these hands? I didn't look up why. I just assumed, <laughs> like, maybe maybe he was out, like, having a stroll one day, and, you know, <laughs> he forgot he was president, he got swarmed, and he was like, fuck me, everyone's really nice today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 1946, Emperor Hirohito of Japan announces he is not a god, which makes me wonder if every other emperor that is not announced they're not a god is actually <laughs> secretly a god. You never know. You never know, you know. Uh, and then in 1966, Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence reaches number one on the Billboard Hot 100, famously a cover of uh, the metal band Disturbed original song. Uh, really Simon, good song. Simon and Garfunkel covered it uh, in 1966, <laughs> and they, they did an all right job with it. <laughs> really good song the graduate is a really good movie as well if you haven't seen it i've not seen graduate i do i do really like simon and garfunkel though i i i think they're a lot of fun uh as far as old 60s bands go but it is old man music you know yeah it, yeah it, 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 like... <laughs> that's but why it's... i like it i like old man music so yeah because you're just as grumpy as they are yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's all the information I've got for the 1st of January uh, in history. Have you got anything for the making of this episode? But I think we covered a uh, lot of it last week. Yeah. Well, the main thing I didn't want to cover too much last week was Gallifrey. Ooh, yeah. The whole reason Gallifrey was introduced again into this episode was actually because of Julie Gardner. Uh, she watched an edit of the Doctor Who Proms in 2009 
and she found herself really moved by Murray's Gold Gallifrey music with some of the footage from Series 3. So she suggested it to Russell by saying, It's so powerful, it means so much, it's the Doctor in his home, and his longing, and his home mythology. And so Russell D. Davis warmed up to using the Time Lords for the first time, because it was about the legend of Gallifrey and not just the planet. And of course, Russell famously found heart... And Russell famously hated the Time Lords, basically. Yeah. Because he found them boring, he found them not interesting. And the whole reason he destroyed the whole planet in the first place was because they were just so boring. So it's a really interesting thing he was kind of swayed into writing for Gallifrey again. And I think it's the weakest part of this episode. It is. It's unfortunate because I think you could you could do something interesting with Gallifrey if Gallifrey was the focus. But Gallifrey starts yeah. as the focus of this episode and then quickly falls back into the background. And it becomes more about the emotional journey between the Doctor and the Master. Which I can un- absolutely understand why, you yeah. know, Russell would write about those guys, you know, because that's a fun character work. Whereas the Time Lords is fucking, what's his name with Thanos' gauntlet, you know? Like... <laughs> I know, yeah, I was thinking Thanos' gauntlet as well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the whole idea of the Time Lords going bad at the final moments of the Time War because we're just so desperate to survive is a really interesting concept that comes 30 minutes into this episode. <laughs> a part two episode. And, you know, we only have, like, 25 minutes of room before David Tennant has to meet all his old companions to really do anything with that. And there's nothing they can do about it apart from the Time Lords just stand in front of a white wall. Yeah, but, As... right, the way that... I think... I understand where you're coming from. I think I'm softer towards it because, for me, it feels like a really nice little bit of accidental foreshadowing to the 50th anniversary. Mm. You know, yeah. that, that little sneak peek into the Time War, into the chaos of fucking what the Time Lords were actually like and the hellscape that Gallifrey had turned into. You know, just that little sneak peek is what makes me go, oh, fuck, this is exciting, you know? I find it I find it hilarious to watch this episode and think of, just three weeks ago, the 10th Doctor was off saving Gallifrey and all that. <laughs> and five minutes, from, five minutes from now, to the Time Lords' point of view... The Doctor will save Gallifrey. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's very strange. Time travel, like, it's a nightmare. <laughs> like five minutes after the Doctor sends Gallifrey back because he doesn't want to save Gallifrey, he saves every, Gallifrey. Every Doctor comes. All 13. <laughs> right? all, all, no, sir, all 13 uh, come to save Gallifrey. <laughs> and I think I, I think I... I think I need to rewatch the day of the Doctor because I, I feel like there's some inconsistencies here with Gallifrey and how it's presented. There probably is, uh, but that, to be fair, you know, the way that Gallifrey is presented in this version is real bare bones, whereas in the 50th anniversary, they dive into it a lot more. Because I think, you know, Moffat also didn't like the Time Lords, but he must have liked them slightly more than Russell T. Davis, because Russell T. Davis made them walk and sit in a dark room. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Like... (laughs) Yeah, certainly, yeah. Uh, they just stand in, they sit around in a dark room, and then they get out, and they stand around in a white room. That's, that's <laughs> the whole arc of the Time Lords, basically. <laughs> oh, it's better than the Time Lords in the Three Doctors, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Where we're just sitting. Where they were just, they were just, they were in a room. Yeah, they were in a room with no ceiling. <laughs> uh, so Russell T. Davis' original idea for the Master's plan was... T- what he wanted to swap Earth and Gallifrey, so that Earth will die and Gallifrey will what rise. 
except now at every time Lord will become the master, the doctor would be tempted for a moment to allow Gallifrey to live, as he and the master watch in awe as Gallifrey surrounds them, but then the doctor pulls the switch and the earth comes back into focus. Which he realised was a bad idea because why would the master want Gallifrey to come back when after all this abuse and all that, he would want to just yeah. focus on Earth, wouldn't he? Yeah, what, the, I, the Master gives a reason for it, doesn't he? Where he's like, oh, I'll take over all your bodies and live forever and ever and ever. Ha ha ha, get revenge. Uh, when the Time Lords show up and he's like, my secret plan's being revealed. But even then, like, it's a shit plan. The the yeah, Master... I think, yeah, I think originally the Master just thought, oh yeah, replacing myself with every human... Yeah. would be the cause. I could, I could just live off of that. I wouldn't need the Time Lords, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. No idea. <laughs> my whole plan is stupid in the first place. Like, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't understand the Master's plan. I don't understand the Master's it... plan either, but what I do kind of like about it is it gives some semblance of justification for Jody's regeneration scene where the Master forces himself into Jody's mm. body. Because, you know, it's the Master's done it before. He did it to every person on Earth. He took over their body. So it's fucking fair game that he could do it to the Doctor, you know? Yeah. Um, another early idea for the original draft was to re reveal that the Time Lords made an alliance with the Daleks in the final days of the Time War. And this was the reason why the Doctor destroyed Gallifrey. However, Stephen Moffat said he, that he was using the Daleks in Series 5 and he thought it would be a greater impact if it had been a longer time since they were last seen. Uh, Russell was a bit disappointed because he thought of a new angle for a Dalek story where basically the Daleks are politicians. Like there's a Prime Minister Dalek, there's uh, Minister Daleks and all that. <laughs> which would have been interesting, but he didn't want to ruin Moffat's first season, which is yeah. good on him. And we'll, we'll get to that. But <laughs> again, <laughs> last week we, we spoke about briefly how the whole I don't want to go kind of ruined the momentum for Moffat's yeah. new season, but we'll get to that. We'll get, we'll get there eventually. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's interesting. That Dalek idea is very interesting. Although I am glad that uh, in the end, Moffat like, told Russell not to do it because it would have really made the 50th anniversary strange. You yeah. know, it would have, you'd have to completely change it. And I fucking yeah. adore the 50th anniversary, you know? Yeah, I would wonder what the 50th anniversary would look like if... If the Russell Daleks and the Time Lords teamed up, yeah. yeah. That would have been very interesting to see that. And also Big Finish, because Big Finish yeah. have also done a lot with the Time War. So yeah, that's a little bit of trivia for the start of the episode. Do you want to dive into the episode itself? Yeah, let's dive into the end of time. Part two. I'm sorry. Just leave me. Okay, right then, I will. Because you had to go in there, didn't you? You had to go and get stuck, oh yes. Because that's who you are, Wilfred. You were always this. Waiting for me all this time. Oh really, just leave me. I'm an old man, Doctor. I've had my time. Well, exactly. Look at you. Not remotely important. But me? I could do so much more. So much more! 
But this is what I get. My reward. But it's not fair! Please, please don't. No, don't, don't! Please, don't, please! Wilfred, it's my honor. The episode begins with a recap from last week, so we don't need to worry too much about that. Uh, but, and then we get the intro credits, and the actual episode begins on Galfrey. And it's super exciting when it first starts, because we've got... What's the guy's name? Uh, fucking... Timothy Dalton. No, I meant his actual character name. It's like Rocks of Flocks oh, and Rassilon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, we see Rassilon uh, walking through uh, Gallifrey. It's grand. It's very, it's very Star Wars-y. There's not a handrail in sight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's walking through. And when I was watching this, I've really, I've forgotten what this scene was. It had been so long since I'd seen this episode. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, we get to see some more Gallifrey. Fuck yeah, because I, I always love seeing Gallifrey. It's, it's, it brings me so much excitement because we've seen so little of it in this modern era. Uh, and we, we see these grand buildings, the doors open, and, and Rassilon walks on through into a dark windowless room with a table that yeah. looks like it, it just looks like it's shot on a studio floor with a spotlight on it like i i guess yeah. you're kind of going for like a stylized look is what is what you want but it it feels lacking it feels like it's missing everything yeah um yeah it certainly does it feels like they overspent for budget budget with the master visual effects last week and we're trying to compensate here by let's put timothy dalton and the rest of the cast in a black room it works as a visual style, I guess. It's, it's I don't know. It's, I wonder. It's, I wonder if it was budgety because you could you you could have shot this on a green screen, yeah, and removed the background and made it black, yeah, and that would have saved money. Or you could have removed the background and put in like a big Gallifrey and building, and maybe they just didn't have the budget for the big Gallifrey and building and went. Actually, a black screen fucking works. Leave it. <laughs> like, uh, going back to the handrails, I do wonder how many Time Lords have regenerated because we just <laughs> fall down those. Like, if we're looking at their phone or something, or if we're just drunk. <laughs> I do wonder how many Time Lords have just regenerated because of that. Yeah. Probably uh, a lot. <laughs> like, uh, but we get a really interesting, in the loosest use of the word, uh, scene here, where the Time Lords are talking a lot about time. And they're talking about yep. being in the time war and a prophecy involving the doctor and time and that they can't stop time from doing what time wants to time. It, it, it's very much flux it, feeling yeah. time dialogue, isn't it? It's very strange. It, it is, yeah. Um, yeah, it just feels too on the nose, I would say. It doesn't feel natural. It's just, yeah, here's a prophecy and there's time and there's time. And we have only have so many seconds, and there's time. <laughs> how do you feel about how do you feel about prophecies? I don't really like it, especially in Do yeah, in Doctor Who. It feels weird because Doctor Who was never about prophecies, but yet sometimes we're like, oh yeah, this whole reason of this happening 
is because of prophecy. You know, the, doc, the doctor being a good time lord, the master being a bad time lord. Uh, we are part of a big prophecy that's been around for this entire time, ever since the start of time. And it's like, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, like, it definitely depends on the media because, like, in Star Wars, you know, like Anakin being the chosen one, and everything like that. Like yeah. that doesn't that doesn't bother me too much. But in, in in like something like Doctor Who, it falls into making the Doctor too important again. Yeah, I don't yeah. want the Doctor to be giant space god that was always meant to be like the savior of the universe. I want them to just be a fucking explorer wanting to see the universe and getting into shenanigans. You know, not everything needs to be and you were the most important person to ever exist. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of what we were going for for the TV movie. The original pitch was to do like a total reboot and the Doctor's like the son of a president yeah. Yeah. and he has to go off and find his human lover or something and it's yeah that, that, that was way too lore heavy and too prophecy heavy and yeah the doctor just works best when he's just a regular dude you know mm-hmm. yeah for sure but for... yeah you know Chiv- one of the worst things chivnall ever done wasn't the timeless child itself but it was the whole lore about the doctor being the whole reason for that time, time lords can regenerate existing. yeah 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 was, yeah, yeah, the... yeah, but, yeah if, if it was just the, oh yeah the doctor was adopted and then the Time Lords gave her the regeneration abilities. That would have been fine with, uh, you know, the whole adoption angle. The, but the, 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 issue, the issue that it falls into is thinking that you need to give a reason that they can, why they regenerate. Yeah. Like, it, it could just be that's what Time Lords do. It doesn't need to be this huge grand conspiracy, you know? And it's just, it, you know, over-explaining for the sake of something that feels pseudo-dramatic when yeah. really it's it's not. Uh, but the episode continues uh, as we cut down to Earth after all the Time Lords are like, ooh, we should go to Earth. That seems like a cool place. Oh, Gallifrey on Earth. Yay. Uh, and we then go to Earth where the Master is still in charge and still in, still possessing the bodies of all six billion people of Earth. Uh, remember? Yeah. So this, the yeah, population is definitely six billion still, right? Not it's eight. It's that thing we talked about last christmas when we covered voyage of a damned the doctor mentioned six billion people on earth and we're like oh yeah fucking hell we're like, <laughs> yeah what eight million eight we're billion eight, now? eight yeah we're at eight million uh there's there's been a, there's been an awful time uh but yeah <laughs> yeah we're at eight billion we passed eight billion yeah. a few months ago uh which is <laughs> insane insane amount of people but yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, a lot was actually cut from the scene. Um, the original scene would have had the master tell the Abigail master. If you remember, Abigail is the daughter of the um, rich dude from last week. That doesn't, you know, the rich family. It's don't not, in really much to do here. not in this episode at all. Not in this episode at all. They go back to being themselves, and so they go off to jail, and that's, that's yeah. the end of their story. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the master would tell the Abigail master to get out of the dress because he feels uncomfortable seeing himself in a dress. Uh, the Abigail Master replies with, Is that an invitation? The real Master says, Now that would be different and brilliant, but later. <laughs> so the indication is the Master He's wants to fuck sex. himself. But okay, I was actually, actually going to ask you this question, right? The yeah. Master possesses the bodies of six billion people on Earth at the exact same time. Yeah. Are you saying that at the time the Master did it, nobody on Earth was having sex? Or... At the time the master did it, nobody was giving birth to a baby. Yeah. Like, the master giving birth to himself. To himself, yeah. <laughs> you know? And also, yeah. like, like halfway through, just ended up having sex with himself. You know, for sure, like, you know, that had to happen. A lot of times. Yeah. 
there's a lot about this plan that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, later on, um, we cut back to uh, the, the son of Sarah Jane Smith, Luke, and he's like, oh yeah, we basically just told everyone Mr. Smith, uh, we, we made Mr. Smith send Yeah, it was like a Wi-Fi thing, yeah. Yeah, it was it made everybody go, um, it made everybody hallucinate. But, you know, the president was on live TV. Nobody's ever going to go back to that live TV footage and realize the president changed into a white man no they're not because <laughs> uh, because uh, nobody knows how to how to do that they deleted all of it with the wi-fi so <laughs> and another thing about this scene and um, the original version would have had the real master leave the doctor while one of his replacements stays in the room and the doctor would say to the ma- to this fake master he would say you're the master just as much as he is why would you serve anyone but I think this scene works a lot better if the real master, especially the emotional beats yeah, yeah, the, that occur later on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I like uh, I like that the fake masters don't really aren't really a factor in any dialogue at all because I want I I really only care about the real master and the doctor's relationship. The, these fa- these fake masters are just part of his plan that's not important at all because it's yeah. about the character and the emotional drama, you know. I've always found these fake masters really weird because they're kind of independent people because they have to keep on relaying information to the yeah. master. It's, it's really strange, but I guess it works later on when the cactus person is mm-hmm. pretending to be a master. Yeah. Um, but right, I've also been a joke with the American president master doing a bad accent because bad American accents was the thing in 2010. It's funny. Um, it's always funny. And we would have also cut to a master who was the head of the Chinese military he would have been very manic and wired, and the master told him to kill himself because mm-hmm. a Chinese military man was on drugs when a switch happened. Right. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. That that's that that's an interesting <laughs> choice for uh, New Year's Day at like what half yeah, seven. I, I, I guess it, it implies. You, if, I guess it implies if somebody's on drugs, the master would have been also felt the side effects of said drugs so yeah so he would have been high as fuck a lot of times because <laughs> everyone's yeah. always on drugs at all times <laughs> also what happens if, like if you like took over somebody when they were in the middle of surgery exactly yeah it's, <laughs> it's so much about this that doesn't make a sense okay so um all the children how does yeah. that work like, we also also i'm pretty sure in this episode they hint that he also did it to the corpses in graves yeah which which is also comes back in death in paradise was that the episode title at the end of series eight when he mm-hmm. tur- well she turns everyone into cybermen and it, yeah uh, that affects the corpses as well yeah which is <laughs> yeah very strange loves messing with corpses that that master <laughs> uh but the episode continues with a really really good scene between uh the master and wilfred uh the doctor is currently tied up to a chair with his mouth closed so he can't talk uh and the ma- oh yeah um you know tumblr in 2010 loved <laughs> the master tying up the doctor like that <laughs> yeah yeah uh <laughs> but uh the master is is chatting away about his evil plan and he, he's chatting away with wilfred making fun of him there's a great line here where wolf's like i'd be proud if i was his dad talking about the doctor but it's just breaks your heart every time and it's a setup for a scene that's going to break your heart later on uh uh, but then wilf's phone starts to ring and i fucking love john sims performance in this scene so hard (laughs) you know where he's like you know i don't i don't think you're understanding what the problem is (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and on the other side of the phone is, of course, Donna, who is having a big freak out over everybody turning into John Sim, uh, except for her. And she's she's phoning up her granddad to try and find out what's going on. Oh, I, I just makes me think of something else. Um, so the the, uh, the master's confused that somebody could be calling him, but also there's loads of aliens on Earth. But wouldn't be turned into a master at this point, so... Yeah, but why would they be calling Wolf? <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> Wolf is just friends of aliens, but, you know, it's not <laughs> shocking. But aliens would be wander- wandering around in a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's strange. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the... The master starts, like, he takes the phone off Wilf and starts, like, tracking where Donna's coming from. Uh, and he quickly surrounds her. And as Donna sees the master and stuff, she starts getting these flashbacks from her adventures with the doctor. We, we see, uh, I don't I didn't catch everything that we see, but the most part, prominent one is, of course, the wasp uh, yeah. from that, um, what, that one episode. Uh, yeah, apparently the line that Donna has saying, why is there a giant wasp? Was uh, Russell T. Davis's boyfriend's favorite line that Russell T. Davis ever wrote? I know every <laughs> script as his favorite line. Good line. Uh. <laughs> uh, but the original idea was that the doctor would get on the phone and say sleep, and it would act as a post-hypnotic trigger. But here. I don't know how to feel about the whole blast. Yeah, because like Donna sends out like a psychic wave explosion from her head that like completely murders the john sims around her i don't know what happens to them uh and then she like she like passes out and it's like this like safeguard measure that the doctor implanted in her head or something like that i guess i like it as far as it like doesn't kill donna but it does feel like a slight cop-out but at the on the other side of the coin like how do you get out of this situation that you've you you've written yourself into because you want to have the master take over everybody's bodies but you've already got donna can't remember everything or she'll die like how the original idea was that donna would actually turn into the master but russell changed his mind last minute i think it would be better if donna turned into a master like everyone else you know I, I don't know. It's yeah, so but that, 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 if, like, the Donna just turns into the Master, she has, like, nothing to do. And, like, she doesn't really have too much to do in this episode anyway, but at least you get to have, like, one last adventure with Donna before mm. you say goodbye to her properly, you know? Yeah. But I, I, that makes me think of Donna in the 60th anniversary, because obviously she's coming back. Mm-hmm. And I think this episode kind of implies what... Um, the amnesia situation is more of like a plaster to the brain to like a wound yeah and maybe eventually the wound will heal heal itself and the whole memory wipe will fade away and that's why she can probably remember the doctor next year maybe but like what like she became like dr donna that was her whole thing wasn't it so like she like completely overloaded her brain with stuff like like how do you fix that it just fades over time and you're no longer dr donna like maybe it fades over time but it's still kind of there mm-hmm. she can still act really intelligently but it's less of a harm to her i don't know or what I'm... if what if right donna yes. comes back but donna's still just donna and she can't remember and instead the doctor takes rose out on adventures hmm. but we've seen behind the scenes footage of Donna interacting with the doctor uh-huh. around the blue box, and it seems like they know each. Well, Donna knows him, so mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll yeah, be interesting for sure. Yeah, it will be weird, weird for sure. Uh, but the doctor starts laughing uh, at Donna's big mind explosion, uh, which causes the master to un 
do his mouth guard and they have a fucking amazing scene together where the doctor's like you know do you really think i wouldn't protect my best friend uh and just calling donna best friend best thing ever uh and then they keep talking and this is like the 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 greatest fucking stuff with the doctor master relationship where the doctor's like you know travel with me you could be amazing we could be best friends like trying to just like get his old friend back where it's like you know we could just go see the stars we could just go around it would be the greatest joy of my life because the doctor's alone yeah you know the only member of his like species that's left is this fucking crazy dude that he used to be best friends with he would do anything to get it back and it's the best fucking incredible character drama possible you know it's it's superb I love watching the Doctor always try to appeal to the Master's yeah. good side. And also, one thing about the scene is that Murray Gold shows some composure. He doesn't conduct a score for the scene. It's just silence. Yeah. It really sells David Tennant's performance and loneliness so much more. It's it's such a heartbreaking scene out of, like, I would say two or three heartbreaking scenes. Oh, yeah. There, there, there's, there's, your heart gets broken quite a bit in this episode, for sure. Uh, this is also where we get some exposition on the, the, the drums in the Master's head, uh, where we find out that as a kid, uh, part of like the induction to being a Time Lord is you have to look into the Time Vortex at time itself. Uh, and for some people, that drives you insane. And for the Master, he ended up hearing these drums in his head, and it, it drove him mad. Uh, and we get given this information twice, both by the Master and by the Time Lords, just in case you missed it, which, you know, at nine yeah. years old, uh, I, I appreciated it, you know, being able to be like, okay, I understand what this means. Like, Yeah, I, I don't mind getting the information twice, but I feel like it could have been edited a bit better, like, it, it would feel like, um, it would, I feel like it could have been a more natural kind of flow, kind of a conversational mm-hmm. kind of way. Where we're not getting the same information beat by beat. We're kind of getting, oh, the doctor, uh, the doctor says part one of this information, and the time lords say part two, and it kind of cuts back and forth. But weirdly, it just cuts to the uh, to the time lords saying the exact same information. Yeah, it really does. Um... And, and also, and also later on, the doctor acts like he's totally surprised by the fact that you know the time lords are bad. And he and he find this only he only find this out at the end of a time war, <laughs> and it's like, but dude, they, 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 they try to make people insane. You know, the the doctor the doctor has got so much faith in so many people, mm. regardless of the evidence presented before him. <laughs> uh, you know, but like the the relationship with the master doctor, it's it's my favorite thing. You know, it's it's yeah. one of the things that make modern Who so fucking compelling. You know, because like in classic Who, the Master is great, but you don't really. They're more like you know, oh, we're arch enemies. You know, there, there's not that emotional stuff to it. At least in the episodes I've covered. Oh no! When we covered the Sea Devils, there was a great scene where the Doctor was telling Joe about yeah. his old friendship with the Master. And there's a great scene where he's hesitant to accept a handshake from the Master. Yes, in the yes. Sea Devils. That's like the best part of Sea Devils. Yeah, it's, the the Sea Devils had some good some good character stuff in it. Um, um yeah, I I. I wish Jody and yeah. Sasha Dewan had a scene like this. Just because... one, just one scene. Like, like even in the like, we didn't even get it in this in Jody's regeneration episode. Yeah, Be- you know, we didn't get just one moment where they were like, you know, do you do you just want to come with me? 
Do you just want to travel? Do you just want to just stop and just let's just let's just put, stop this and let's just travel? You know, like Capaldi and Missy had the best fucking arc. Oh god, yeah. Oh, like their relationship was outstanding. David Tennant and John Sims' relationship—it's not quite as fleshed out, but yeah. it sets the it sets the foundation for that Capaldi Missy relationship. You know. Yeah, and, and I'm I- sure all I can remember of uh, the Master and the Thirteenth Doctor is. The, first, uh, the master would monologue while the, the doctor would just stand around saying nothing, basically. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's 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 basically <laughs> what happened every time he showed up, you know. Yeah. And it's 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 so so disappointing because Sasha Dewan is so good as the master. Yeah. I really like his performance, and I like him more the more I see him as the master. You know, because I rewatched all of Jodie's era this year before the uh, her regeneration special came out, the centenary. Uh, and Sasha Dawan became a standout for me. I was like, fuck me, I love watching him on screen as the master, but he has nothing to work with. Like, imagine if he had any yeah. sort of character stuff he could do besides act a bit crazy. Like, But, you know, we, we, we do have a master spin-off box set coming yes, in soon yes. with Sasha Dawan and also a Fugitive Doctor box set. So, you know, maybe there's some crossover maybe, there. Maybe we can maybe. actually do a scene with the Fugitive Doctor and the master. Let's just hope that it ends up being better than what some of these Eccleston box sets have uh, been. Yeah. You know? I Okay, the last box set came out a month ago. I listened to the Sea Devil episode, and I was like, this is like every other Sea Devil episode. <laughs> and I haven't gone to episode two and three yet. I, I should really get back into them. I haven't, lis- I haven't listened to them yet at all. But... Uh, oh, God, that first episode disappointed me. Oof. I was hoping we would do something new with the Sea Devils. That's impossible. They're a boring villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the episode continues anyway with the Master being like, don't you see, Doctor? The prophecy's all about me. I- I'm the thing that's coming. I'm the thing from your past. I'm the thing that's here to just take over the Earth. It's me. Uh, and he goes a bit manic and crazy. Uh, I-, I love his performance here because he's just so proud of himself. It's me! Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah uh john sim is is significantly better in this episode than he was yes. in part one but to be fair yes. like he had he's got stuff to do in this episode he had nothing to he do does. in part one except to go oh i'm hungry yum 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 like <laughs> i i i guess um transporting himself to all those other people kind of made him less insane so he's more yeah. enjoyable here because he, he feels more like a character rather than some kind of golem creature yeah he doesn't turn into a skeleton much he turns into a skeleton briefly here yeah, and he only later on in the he uses his like electric powers once at the end. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't really use them. Like, why didn't he just electrocute Wolf to death? Why does he get the guy <laughs> to come shoot him? You know, uh, but he does. He or uh, he orders the one of the guards to shoot Wolf uh, to try and get some information out of the doctor. Uh, and the doctor just kind of laughs at him and says, "You're a fucking idiot." Still, somehow, because that guard is too tall to be you by one inch. Yeah, uh, yeah one inch too tall, which makes me think again, Star Wars reference. You're a little too short to be a stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the guard knocks him out, and he turns out to be one of the green cact, the green cactus scientist guy. As the green cactus scientist lady comes in, and then the the scene becomes bad. 
yeah. as the worst fucking soundtrack you've ever heard Murray Gold produce comes on, it's the most whimsical, cartoony, yeah. <laughs> like, slapstick soundtrack in the world as these two guys are, like, wheeling David Tennant in the chair through while D- David Tennant is being like, oh, just let me out the chair, ah, doing some, like, fun comedy for the family to laugh at. It's such a sudden, yeah. like, drastic tone switch uh, where it went from being this character drama to this whimsical slapstick, you know? And yeah, the tone shift was like my main complaint in last week's episode. But I feel like the tone is more consistent here. I feel like this yeah. is like the only comedic moment. And it's, it's fair enough. It's it, the tenth Doctor's final episode. It's Russell T. Davis's final episode. Russell T. Davis is never going to write another episode. Of <laughs> yeah, he's, ne- he's never coming back. <laughs> David Tennant's never coming back. Like <laughs> Wilf is never coming back. Yeah, never coming yeah, we're back. never seeing these characters again. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's fair enough to add a little bit of humor in the last episode. And I feel like this is the most appropriate place to mm-hmm. add the humor. Right. Yeah. But the humor itself doesn't really work. And also, um, the whole cacti being racist, mm-hmm. say, saying the word cacti is racist, is a bit, I don't know, it's uh, a bit of a 2010 joke. Yeah, it's like, it's like okay, I, I get it, yeah, okay, right, good. Yeah, There's also is... a Simpsons reference with uh, David Tennant saying uh, worst, worst rescue, rescue ever. ever. Yep, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, David Tennant actually broke his back around this time, so yeah, Damn. this whole scene was like torture for him going down that stairs, so they <laughs> built a life-size replica, like a dummy of David Tennant, and it looks pretty convincing Yeah, I didn't watch know- behind-the-scenes footage. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't notice if they used any shots, uh, so... And yeah, and yeah, even last week they built really convincing John Sim masks, but I don't think we actually used it in the episode because it wasn't that convincing. But if you mm-hmm. look at behind the scenes, yeah, footage, I've, I've again, seen, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's ter- terrifying. <laughs> I wonder where those masks are now, probably just sitting in a warehouse, like rotting, you know. As as a gift to John Sim at the end of the shoot, they gave him like a photograph of all the cast and crew standing together, <laughs> and they replaced every face of John Sim. That's amazing, that is amazing. The episode continues with the Doctor and the Cactus people and Wilfred escaping via teleporter onto a spaceship. Uh, and then we get a few scenes of like the Master and that being like, where have they gone? Where have they gone? And the Cactus people trying to escape and the Doctor being like, we're not fucking escaping. We're going back to Earth, so fuck off. And he like destroys the ship with the sonic screwdriver, uh, basically leaving them stranded in orbit and out of power. Uh, yeah, this all. Um, <clears throat> this is when the spaceship becomes the leaky engine spaceship idea we discussed last week. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no quieter ending to the yes. Doctor, and also in the scene, uh, the male characters originally would have said, "You're not human, right?" The Doctor would reply with, "Nope." Well, I was back in 1999 for a couple of days, <laughs> but that was like actually a 48-hour bug. But I got over it, which is obviously referring to um, TV movie. That would have been great. That would have been great. Uh, the reason uh, Russell wrote that out of his script in the, um, in the first place was because he thought it confused people because obviously the most recent time the Doctor became human was in the 1930s in yes. human nature. Yes. So it would have just confused people, so he thought it was a bad idea to write that line. It's a great line, though. <laughs> yeah, but also in a scene, I fucking love that Wilf. They still find the time for Wilf to just be amazed by space. Yes. It's such a beautiful, like, beautiful like moment. Everyone's rushing around, and he just kind of stops to look out the window at Earth and is like, oh my fucking god, I'm in space. You know, it's, it's, yeah. this, it's this amazing human 
moment that like uh, that's like a legit real thing like si- like astronauts have talked about that moment when you look down at earth and like your entire perspective crumbles you know like it like it happened yeah. the only person it doesn't affect <laughs> is jeffrey bezos you know i'm just gonna like, say like, yeah have you seen that video where With william, william shatner, shatner i watched it live <laughs> i watched it live i watched that fucking rocket take off live and then i watched the interview afterwards where william shatner is like oh my god like all of humanity is on this tiny fucking rock what are we doing and then like jeff bezos is like yeah it's fucking rad dude like <laughs> yeah he gets he gets distracted because the woman next to him is like drinking champagne and opening champagne he's like do you want champagne to an ex-alcoholic i know like, <laughs> like he uh, has no compassion there's no humanity yeah he's just a dumb surfer dude <laughs> jeff bezos is literally he's just a dumb surfer dude like uh, but what I like about Wilf is um, Bernard Cribbins really has like a wide-eyed expression. It feels like he's a little kid. And he has that moment throughout the episode where he's just amazed by the Doctor. Like when the Doctor reveals he's 906 years old. Or when the Doctor wipes his face and all the yeah. stars disappear. It's just like Wilfred is just amazed by alien stuff. I would have it's loved him to be a really full-time sweet. companion. It would have been amazing. You know, He, he would have been so good. It would have been amazing. Wilf. Yeah. Uh, but the episode continues with the master like like trying to listen for everybody in space or something. I don't know. I didn't understand what they were doing, but uh... <laughs> I, 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 I guess he's trying to find his senses and yeah, a telepathic link to the doctor. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh... I, I guess it works better because obviously there's six billion of them and he could easily do it. Mm-hmm. But I guess he can't easily do it because he doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah, God knows. Um... But we cut to the Time Lords, who are then, they come in with some real timey-wimey stuff, so get your, your time travel helmets on. <laughs> so, uh, the guy comes in, and he's like, yo, Rassilon, so, we went, and we sent the thing back in time. We sent the sound of drums back in time to the Master when he was a kid, so that that's implanted in his head, right? So, the idea of the drums is in his head, so he's gonna start hearing those drums now. It's like a beacon, uh, but we need something tangible to, to make him, to, to be able to find him with this beacon. So, we're gonna throw this little crystal into the hologram on Earth, and it's gonna send the real crystal to crash down on Earth. Don't worry too much about it. So, like, the timey-wimey bit here is the Master always heard the drums since he looked into yes. the vortex but the reason he heard the drums was because at the end of his of the at the end of the time war the time lords went we need to make the master hear drums so that we live and they sent those drums back in time to when he was a kid to hear the drums so it's like this self-fulfilling loop because the only reason they know that he hears the drums in the first place is because he was a kid and yeah. he, and he went and he looked into the vortex and went mad but the only reason he went mad was because the Time Lord sent the thing back in time to fuck with him. And also, they only throw the crystal at the Earth because the prophecy lady tells them about the prophecy to throw the crystal to the Earth, but they only do that because of the prophecy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, time travel, man, it gets confusing. (laughs) It does. It's best not to worry about it. It, Yeah, (laughs) it's just so convoluted, and I just find myself tuning out of this episode in a way. I... Like, once I tune out of this episode, I'm like, I don't care about the Time Lords anymore because their plan is kind of convoluted and doesn't really make sense. Yeah, but, like, I love dumb time travel stuff. I love, I love you know, time travel is fun be trying to wrap your head around it because it never makes sense. Like, time yeah. travel itself is just, it's full of contradictions and paradoxes and it's a nightmare to, to try and have a time travel story actually work without any 
like plot holes or weird like coincidences or paradoxes you know uh which is why i'm actually right uh hyping up a book here hyped for nerd cubes book that i backed like four years ago uh on unbound or something like that he said i think he's almost finished writing the first draft um it's called the paradox paradox it is a it's a time travel book where he's like I, I there's there's no plot holes it all makes sense I I've taken the time to make sure it all makes sense but it's it's also got this great thing where because it's a time travel book the chapters are also going to be out of order oh god so, like, <laughs> so you like you start on like chapter seven and then the next chapter is chapter two and like like it's, it's going to be a fucking incredible read I cannot wait like, oh god this whole conversation just reminds me of that paradox of the Daleks which came out last month which is an eighth doctor audio drama oh my god yeah 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 about that, that uses paradoxes in a way that's easy to follow for the most part but yeah it's still so clever at the same time that's a really good story to anyone who hasn't listened yeah, to it, is, yeah, it is it's a really good story it's really good and it's also a great jumping on point to uh, the eighth doctor series i haven't listened to the newest box set but that box set was pretty damn good mm-hmm uh the episode continues as wilf is trapped alone on the ship and it's really spooky and he's like like completely lost until uh the doctor's mom shows up tech as we were we were discussing this off yeah. of air uh this because this is the doctor's mom like a hundred percent russell t davis confirmed yeah. this is the doctor's mom we know the doctor's mom is the adopted mom anyway is tech so this is tech yeah. the person that gave time lords regeneration from the doctor but this is clearly just a nicer regeneration version of her <laughs> compared to the one that was like, I have a pet Ood and I'm going to a different universe now. <laughs> like... Yeah, but the tech Tyoon we were introduced to was abusive and kidnapped the Doctor yeah. and created a whole Time Lord society. But yeah, at the end of this episode, when the Doctor makes eye contact with her, she she's basically the only person the doctor can trust in terms of Time Lords, which is here, here's here's really my question. Weird. Here, I don't here, understand. Here's here's my question. Uh-huh. Is it Tectayun? Right? <sighs> because so Tectayun adopted the doctor and experimented on them. But if you yes. think about when Capaldi went back to Gallifrey, oh he went back to the barn where there was like that yes. woman that could have been hit that old woman that could have been his mum. So because like he, yes. he he like didn't grow up like as like the Time Lord Lord. So like it could be Tectayun experimented on him and then went, Alright, fuck off and like <laughs> and gave him to this lady who's much nicer oh like <laughs> and also that barn links back to david doctor yeah and yeah. david doctor links back to this episode doctor who canon between each... we were talking about this earlier i feel like between each showrunner doctor who canon there's no continuity like, no <laughs> yeah. other show has worse continuity between showrunners but i mean think. i mean i think it was chris chibnall that said doctor who doesn't have a show bible it's like the yeah. only show on television that doesn't have a show bible. There are no rules to this TV show. It's insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you know, sometimes I, I do I do want consistency because we host a fucking podcast. It'd be nice to keep these kind of things in terms of like straight lines, you know. But it's those straight lines. It's all wibbly and wobbly <laughs> and timey wimey, Scott. That's the point. So, so the whole thing is. Rosalie Davis wrote it with the intent of it being the Doctor's mum, but it isn't explicit in the script, so it could easily be retconned to be like, oh, it's the Doctor's sister or the Doctor's yeah. uh, daughter or something like that. You know, it's Susan's mum. It could be Susan's Being mom. Susan's mum would be an interesting interesting one. Yeah. yeah. The whole point is it's left up to the interpretation of the viewer. 
even if all Russell did Davis wrote it with the intent of it being the mum. But nowadays, we could just consider anyone else. It could be mm-hmm. anyone else. It could yeah. be the do- a future incarnation of a doctor. We just don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, God knows. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this scene, she's basically telling Wolf that the doctor has to take the gun. Otherwise, she's, he's, like, he's fucked and she needs to, he needs to convince the doctor to take the gun. Uh, that's really the... Mm. The only point that that's really the only point off the scene. Uh, it, it's basically just a quick refresher on who this character is and why Wolf has the gun. I guess it, it's it's semi disconnected to, to a lot of the episode, yeah. but like it's it's fine, whatever you know. And again, it's just like more prophecy kind of stuff in a way because she's basically just telling him plot point. It's it's basically Shakov's gun. Yeah, it's more prophecy stuff which yeah i don't really yeah just, i don't really like the scenes between her and wolf i do like the scene that with the doctor too. and her later on yeah. so yeah it's, it's it's conflicted feelings i have for this episode <laughs> yeah uh but then we get to arguably the best episode in the best episode yeah this entire scene's an episode the, the best scene in the episode you know, uh, it, it 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 does feel like it could have just been a short film oh my know? god it could have been yeah. like one of those dvd extra things and it would have been just it, it's easily the best scene between the doctor and the companion it's ever been written i think it's phenomenal it's just yeah so fucking good yeah it, this is the scene where wolf is looking out at the earth and he's like reminiscing like oh that that's england you know oh, i went over there like when i was a kid and during the second world war and you know and uh he's like oh you don't want to hear and then doctor's like i'm older than you you know and it's, it's just yeah. it's this amazing amazing conversation uh and the story that wolf is telling yeah here is bernard Cribbins' real life story you know he was in 1948 he was in uh, wherever he says he was and he, he basically told russell his life story over the phone and russell took it and thought yeah it's perfect for uh wolf's story even the whole thing about the blizzard of Bo- well in the real life story apparently um bernard cribbins told um russell t davis about uh, witnessing a blizzard yeah but, um Russell D. Davis looked online and basically there's only ever been two blizzards in this particular country. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't want to say Bernard Cribbins was lying or remembering. <laughs> so I'm going to, re- I'm going to replace it with a blizzard of bullets, which yeah. kind of works as a better as a metaphor. It, it does. Really works. It does really work. Um, and it like the, just, just like Bernard Cribbins performance and this, in this like David Tennant's on fire, but Bernard Cribbins is yeah. fucking outstanding standing like just heartbreaking at every turn and it's the he's keeping he's trying to convince the doctor to take the gun and it's his last plea at the end when he's like i just think you're the most brilliant man and i don't want you to die and he's just like breaking down i'm like oh my god like (laughs) (laughs) like, i'm just weeping the the whole thing with bernard cribbins is every scene he's in he just feels so authentic and so so natural so natural like yeah he, he just feels like the most real actor in a show like you can you look at this show and you feel like David Tennant's giving a performance, but with Wilf, it's like, yeah, this is just a real life human being yeah. that just somehow stumbled on set and just told his life story. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I, I, it's, 
Uh, it's my favorite scene in this episode, I think. Although, like, the scene at the end between the David Tennant and Wilf is amazing as well, when David Tennant's like, yeah. I could have done so much more! You know? Like, oh, they're just, they're so good together. I cannot wait yeah. to see them again. Like... I am so excited as well. And also, a, a great line from the Doctor is when he says, I got worse, I got clever. Yeah. Manipulating people to take into their own life. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. just like, oh my god, yeah. the yeah. darkness of the Doctor really yeah. shows. Yeah, he's chatting about, you know, like, fucking the Time Lord Superior, whatever the fuck the the specials were going on about. Uh, like, <laughs> what was it? Time Lord Victorious. That was it. Which yeah. which turned into a multimedia storyline. Yeah, it got really, really fucking convoluted. Yeah, I I I wanted to try and start reading or watching or listening to that, but there's just so much. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a book, there's books, there's comics, there's audio dramas, and it just got. I don't know where to start. But I guess I will start eventually. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. I, I don't understand what the fuck went on in that storyline even. Just the doctor went around being a dick, I guess, is what he's getting at. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just an absolutely phenomenal scene. I would have played a clip yeah. for it uh, either at the, uh, probably at the start of the episode. So you, you've heard it. You definitely should see it if you've not while you're listening to this episode. Go watch the fucking thing first. Uh, and, it's and again, I just, I, I just love how they have this quiet moment in David Tennant's final episode to just yes. have this connection between the Doctor and Wilf. You know, I think and that I think that's... I was about to say that that's what, what I feel like I was kind of missing with Jodie's episode with her regeneration, but they tried to give her quiet moments, you know, like the yeah. end when she's just with Yaz, like uh, doing the Kingdom Hearts, eating ice cream on top of the TARDIS, you know, like that's like a quiet moment. But the yeah. issue the issue is, is I don't give a shit about those characters. This scene works because these are characters that feel like people. These are characters I'm invested in that I care about. I don't give yeah. two flying fucks if I ever see Yaz again. <laughs> you, you know, like... yeah. Well, with the doctors and with the doctor and Yaz's relationship, I felt that was too forced. Whereas yeah. here. Everything feels just so natural. Between yeah, it's like like doctor. when fucking the doctor's like, "I'd be proud if you were my dad." Yeah, it's like, oh, oh my god. god, oh my god, it's yes, perfect. like <laughs> feels earned. It feels right. It does not feel shoehorned in out of the fucking blue. You know. Yeah, and of course we would have this quiet moment at this point in time because they can't do anything else. On yeah, they're stranded ship. Like, on a ship, like. Like, the Doctor is trying to fix something, but he's kind of given up hope that he can ever fix it, fix his way out of his situation. Mm-hmm. Which I really, I really like that moment. Well, the, doc- the, just... the Doctor was sitting there. He was saying he was trying to fix the heating. He was just trying, yeah. to, trying to turn the heating on. <laughs> like... <laughs> but yeah, just, yeah it's, it just feels so natural and it's just so perfect for the Doctor and Wilf. And I, I, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to seeing Wilf come back. I, I know he's going to have a more limited role than yeah. he does here. But it's going to be so nice to see them together again. Yeah, well, it's going to be heartbreaking. It's going to be heartbreaking. <sighs> so the episode continues uh, as the master's like, with this little shiny rock, I can use it and make a bridge that will make me the gal the time lords come to to me, to the me with the the bridge the rock. Don't worry about it. I'm going to do this and then the thing. Yeah. Okay, like he, it doesn't make any sense. It. He plugs it into a computer and that causes them to come through a white void. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about <laughs> and also, it. And also uh, the planet keeps on coming closer. Yeah. It, it, the thing is, this episode kind of feels like Superman, uh, Man of Steel, when the whole point is that the Kryptonians want to turn the Earth into... Uh, Krypton. 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 Krypton? Krypton? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about I was about to say Gallifrey and when I said Krypton, yeah. I was like, did I just say Gallifrey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on in my brain. Uh yeah. It it's it it's it's you know, it's the MacGuffin to get the bad guys onto Earth, you know. It's to is to get them out because with the time war, you know, it's it's quote unquote time locked, which is just sci-fi words to explain why they're not around when there's time travel um but but dude we're 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 half an hour into this part two episode and the time war and the time lords fuck off 47 minutes in they're only here for like 17 minutes yeah but it's a fucking badass 17 minutes uh as we cut off to gallifrey where rassilon walks into uh coruscant uh where (laughs) it's it's like you know gallifrey is really star warsy here and yeah. uh, when rassilon is standing in what i assume must be the parliament of uh gallifrey because he's you know mm. the president or whatever uh and they're at war <laughs> i would assume that these are just the politicians that are standing in it looks it's straight up looks like the senate from star wars it's yeah you've, wild. you've got all those circular floating yeah. things that yeah. all the people stand and, on. and yeah. the emperor 100%. the emperor in the middle like <laughs> yes yeah, it's 100 percent star wars and there's so many star wars illusions we're not even there's, there's like two or three more star wars illusions in this episode it's insane yeah. how many star wars references there are there are um but we get this amazing character moment with david tennant uh, next when uh he finds out that gallifrey is coming back like that's what the actual thing is it's gallifrey the time lords are coming back and you know he was sitting with wilf as wilf was trying to get him this gun and he was saying no nothing is ever going to make me take that gun the second he knows gallifrey is coming back he grabs the gun and it is the fucking amazing amazing character work you know no dialogue needed he just goes oh my god it's gallifrey first thing he does yeah. gun you know like he doesn't go yeah, no. i'm grabbing this gun now by the way yaz so that i could shoot the time lords <laughs> because they're bad okay <laughs> like... yeah and i love how wolf is like but i thought i thought you loved the time lords you always talk good about them and so on um, and the doctor is like yeah because i always try to remember the good about them before mm-hmm. they turned into what they turned into which yeah. is I think is this the first time it's established that the Time Lords really turned yeah wacko yeah yeah I think because like uh, Eccleston like never talked about the Time War he only yeah. ever like alluded to like it was a bad time and then in Tenants they explore it a bit more but he always whenever yeah. he talks about the Time Lords to like Rose or whatever he's like oh they're a beautiful people you know and he talks about Gallifrey like you know remember the sunsets and the beautiful things that he it's always like these rose tinted glasses looking back. Uh, but fuck me! Every time I think of Gallifrey, I think of Murray Gold's Gallifrey. Score. Oh, it's a, it's a good it's, score. It's a good score. Yeah, and he, obviously the whole reason Gallifrey is in this episode is because of that score. Existed. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. just it, it really says so much about Gallifrey that score, and it's used in this episode as well briefly. It, it's just so good. I, I I do miss Murray Gold when he was at his peak. Yes. Yeah. He's he's inconsistent in this episode. You yeah, know, like they're like the the whimsical slapstick stuff doesn't really work, but when he's doing his dramatic overtones, yeah. you know it's fucking it's is very good. Uh, I also in that scene in that scene with the Doctor and Wilf on the spaceship, the the score is really good in that scene. Yes. I really like the score. Yeah, it's really subtle. Yeah, what I re- like, what I liked about Murray Gold's scores in this era as well is he was a big fan of uh like orchestral yeah. o- opera people being like oh 
<laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, which is always just yeah. amazing. It makes everything so much like overly dramatic. Like, yeah, it, it makes it, it, it did make Doctor Who feel so cinematic. And I looked forward to whenever we did the proms, just watching those singers perform yeah. Doctor Who music. It was so beautiful. I really want them to bring back the proms, but I guess there's not been that much recent music he can really no. compose live with an orchestra because I think a, a the newest composer i forgot his name is sagan akinola or I, I, yeah i mispronounced his name but um he i think he uses more electronic music which is fine mm-hmm. but if murray gold comes back in the new russell t davis era i would hope they use multiple composers mm. because when when he was doing 13 episodes a year i think he kind of ran out of room to compose new music but if he's doing like four episodes a year and other people are doing the other four. Yeah. I think it could work. I think it could really work. Because every episode of Doctor Who is kind of going for a different feel, mm-hmm. a different tone. I feel like it could work if other composers come in. It, could be, it would be an interesting experiment. I think what you would get, though, is, like, a lack of cohesion. You know, like, the you you wouldn't have these, like, running, overarching themes that you get yeah. with I mean, they when could you have, borrow... like, one dedicated composer. They, they could borrow, like, oh, yeah, this is a Marfa theme and we could use that mm-hmm. in multiple episodes. Yeah. You could borrow that, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then we get into, like, the action set piece where David Tennant is suddenly, he's no longer depressed. He's back being the doctor. He's talking at a million miles an hour. He's explaining everything to everybody. He's telling people to go do this, go do that. Turns on the ship, activates everything. He's like, allons-y, as they go flying off. Uh, and it's it's a really fun action scene, you know? Like, it, yeah. like it's very Star Wars-y again with, like, Wilf yeah. being in the fucking gun bit. It's, like, straight out of episode four. <laughs> like... Yeah. Uh, and, and he's like, I, I don't know how to shoot these uh, spaceship lasers. And they're like, yeah, it's automatic. We could, you just press the button. Yeah. And I'm like, if you could just press the button, why do you need people to be in there? Just have it set automatically by the lasers. Oh, and trust a robot. <laughs> what if the robot decides it just wants to kill everybody, Scott? <laughs> huh? I mean, they're trusting the robot in the first place to set it to automatics. So yeah, but but there's a different, you know, like if it goes wrong, it just jams, you know, <laughs> if it's in charge of who it kills, it kills people. But, you know, robots and vehicles are always a good thing, you know? <laughs> people who build robotic vehicles that could drive themselves yeah good people yeah good people yeah yeah and and, <laughs> and specifically like if you're thinking like robots in sci-fi in charge of guns it, it always always oh, is yeah. a, it always is a great idea you know like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but th- this action set piece is pretty fun so the cgi is relatively dated but yeah. like it holds up pretty well for like a bbc show and yeah you know January 1st, 2010, basically 2009. The CG also, is, is decent. And also, this is when Doctor Who started broadcasting in HD in 2009, so we're still figuring some stuff out in terms of how to make things look a bit better with a high definition, but it looks pretty decent, you know. I I, I would say if this was broadcast today, I'd be like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It works. <laughs> if it got broadcast today, I'd be like, oh my god, the effects are finally better than they were in Flux. Like, <laughs> again I, we'll never see eye to eye on the special effects and flux no but like jody's effects like even like even like flux i can forgive because of the pandemic yeah. it is still atrocious there are some <laughs> parts of it that are unforgivable that fucking blue particle <laughs> effect is straight yeah. out of a ps1 you know but uh like even jody's second season the effects are fucking horrendous 
and there was no pandemic in her second season. It's just like her first season, the effects are incredible. And then the yeah. second season, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck it, you're on a green screen now. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, one of the best things about what we're doing with Doctor Who currently is we're filming a year in advance. Like, we're yeah. currently filming next year's Christmas special. So, we're going to have plenty of time yes. to get those special effects done, I think. Because that, that's the best thing about Power of the Doctor. It was produced a year in advance. Yes. And yes. those special effects look fucking incredible for the most part. Like, yeah, there there was like maybe one or two where it was like oofed. Yeah. But like for the most part, it was like, oh my God, it looks good again. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think Power of the Doctor was the most cinematic Doctor who has ever looked. It looked incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. Um, but uh, then the Time Lords are finally arriving on Earth as the Master is going like all crazy uh, and the, the Time Lords are coming in and then David Tennant's like, I'm going to kill myself and he jumps out the ship crashes through the ceiling off the mansion glass shatters everywhere and he hits the ground real hard uh, breaking presumably every bone in his body. I don't understand how he survives. <laughs> like... <laughs> But that shot of the Doctor falling through the roof was actually the last thing David Tennant shot for Doctor Who. It was, um, I think it was shot number 999, which oh, wow. uh, Julie Gardner re- really liked, because 999 is also a number you phone for medical services. Yeah. And she was like, never shoot anymore, we're, we're not shooting anymore, it's, it's <laughs> a perfect number to end off. Yeah, he's ruined it now. No. <laughs> 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 Uh, but yeah, the Doctor smashes through the glass uh, as the Time Lords are here. And this is where things get a, a bit dumb for the Master, where the Master is like, oh, can you see I'm in charge of the Earth now, Time Lords, and now I'm going to be in charge of you. And then fucking Rossalon's like, I've got uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, waves his hand, yeah. and all the humans are back being humans. Don't worry about it, we've solved that problem, let's focus on a different story now. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the main problem about introducing the Time Lords. 38 minutes into an episode, and then getting rid of them 47 minutes into the episode. You know, they're only on Earth for 9 minutes, which is hardly enough time to do anything. Cool 9 minutes, though. Cool 9 minutes. They really really make them seem badass. (laughs) (laughs) Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton is fucking great in this episode, by the way. He is. He is very... Everybody's great in this episode. Everybody is doing doing excellent work in this episode. Uh, This is also where David Tennant explains to the Master... Like, just how fucked up the Gallifreyans got, how the Time Lords got during the Time War, when he's like, you know, they they did all this horrible shit, and he just starts listing off badass sounding, like, villains. I want to. Nightmare Child? Yeah, the. (laughs) Hang on, I want to, I want to, I want to find some more. Hang on. The Scarrow Degradations? Some, I don't know what the fuck that is. Maybe like mutated Daleks, you know, like Time Lords fucked with Daleks, yeah. Uh, The Horde of Travesties? The fuck's a horde of travesties? The nightmare child, which just is, is that is that related to the timeless to the child? Timeless child. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the nightmare could... child is a timeless child's evil twin brother. Yeah, uh, the could have been king with his army of meanwhiles and never wers. What the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> it sounds so cool. I want to know what this is. Like. <laughs> I, I do wonder if Big Finish ever established more about these things, you know? I hope so. I hope in their, their Time War story that they've been covering for the past few years, they've gone into all of these things because <laughs> it's... They must have. Come on, they've got such an eye for little fucking nuggets of detail. I want to know. I want to know about the Nightmare Child and the, the, the could-be king. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
Uh, going back slightly to uh, the master's plan being undone. Um, everybody go back to tr all the transformations between the master and the humans, and everybody's just standing where they were before. Yeah. Like Barack Obama is standing on the same stage. Yeah. Uh, Donna's uh, mom and boyfriend are in the same place, and it's like they're just reusing the same shot. And also the idea of the master, I guess, was just standing around in the same spot the entire time, just grinning, <laughs> just standing, t posed, grinning. I got nothing else to do. I mean, like you know, it's like it's like it's like a dog chasing a car. Once the dog gets the car, what's it gonna do? You know, like the master's finally got the earth. It's like a oh, fucking. What do I do now? And like, I just, just got fucking bored. I'm just standing here, like. <laughs> also, also the idea of Barack Obama coming back and still adds nothing to the episode. Remember what Barack Obama was built so much last week? He's gonna fix the recession, okay? He's gonna fix it. Any, he's gonna fix that recession. Like. <laughs> oh, I mean, also, um, everybody runs outside and sees Gallifrey forming above them, which is such a great shot. But it always reminds me of. Journey's End. I get confused between the two episodes. You know when they're looking in the sky and we see all the planets around yes, them. Yes, 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 yes. It's very like Russell T. Davis really liked doing uh, planets in the sky, like you know, like the Earth getting taken away and is now surrounded by a different bunch of other planets. You know, like it's just it, the big end of world season finale is something he fucking yeah. adored doing. He did it basically every season he was in charge of the show you know yeah and he also liked using daleks at the end of the season or yeah the master <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes both no he never did both but... <laughs> he almost he almost did both with he almost episode. did he almost did they got mentioned like <laughs> but you know he did he did daleks dalek cybermen yeah, master, master and then i mean daleks then then, then four, season four i mean the master in this that, episode yeah so. yeah because it was it was daleks with martha wasn't it yeah 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 because the master the master's not the season no. finale for that no is he the master was martha season yeah 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 because that's <laughs> the mean, sound of know, drums yeah i mean you know Stephen moffat and chris chibnall always used the master and Vidal or the cybermen rather yeah with series eight it was the master series nine no it was nobody season 10 was the daleks and with the Cybermen and the Master series eleven, mm -hmm. nobody important. It was Tim Shaw. <laughs> it was such uh, a series, shit finale. <laughs> series twelve was the Master and the Cybermen again. Yeah, and uh, the ending of the Power of the Doctor was the Master and the Cybermen again. <laughs> you know, I think I'm kind of sick of Cybermen right now. <laughs> so am I. Like, like they've been around I'm really frequently. I'm also tired of the Daleks because we're used every fucking year. And I think it's part of the ne negotiations between mm -hmm. the Terry Nation estate and the BBC that we have to use the Daleks every year. Otherwise, yeah. we, might lose the con we might lose the rights to the Daleks. I'm not sure. Yeah, see, I I'm okay with the Daleks coming back every year because they always find a they always find something like slightly interesting to do with mm -hmm. the Daleks. Uh, it doesn't always work, but at least they try. With the Cybermen, like... Like that's why I think I like the Time Lord Cybermen so much because it's like, oh my god, you've done something with them. <laughs> you, like, yeah, but they almost they almost did something with, with Cybermen with uh, with a lone Cyberman. Yeah, yeah. But, but, well, but, then we wasted that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, they they never really nailed the Cybermen, but I'm just I'm kind of I just want a break from them, like at least like two years, a yeah. nice two year break from the Cybermen, please. And then when they come back, make them fucking scary, like you know. 
So the episode continues as David Tennant gets up from the ground with his gun uh, and starts pointing it at Rassilon. Now, this scene is a mixed bag because yeah. it's incredibly dramatic. The performances are absolutely fucking outstanding. The, the the character dilemma between the master, like, egging the doctor on to shoot him, but, like, in his eyes being like, oh, my God, fucking please don't shoot me. Like, there's even, like, a minute where, like, they're not talking and the master's like, don't. You know, like, it's just this little subtle mood, like, shaking off his head, like, oh, no, please don't shoot me. You know, as the, the doctor's flipping back and forth trying to figure out, is he going to shoot Rassilon? Is he going to shoot uh, the master? Who's he? What does he What does he do? And the entire time, he keeps cocking his gun. And it's the most distracting fucking sound effect in the world. He's holding a pistol with a hammer. Yeah. He pulls it back once. That's it pulled back. That's it cocked. It doesn't uncock <laughs> when he turns it. Like... <laughs> For me, it kind of it, it kind of works because it adds dramatic tension every time he turns around. But you again, say it adds dramatic tension. Doesn't it, it, it doesn't. I, like I understand the idea of it adding dramatic tension, yeah. but to me, it takes the dramatic tension away because now <laughs> it's turning into something comical. Because now it's becoming yeah. ridiculous. It's going past the point of believability. You know, cock it once, then just have it swinging back and forth. You don't need to keep going click 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 click. I know he's got a fucking yeah. gun. Like you know. <laughs> Yeah, when I was watching the scene last night, I was like, there's probably a YouTube poop out there where he <laughs> keeps turning keeps around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just keeps spinning around it. And you just keep on hearing the gun cock. If there's not, we need to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, um, before this, Rassilon says, no more, which is yes. very interesting now yes. that we know about the 50th anniversary. Gallifrey Falls he- and no more both being said. And it feels like another um, Star Wars reference where basically the master is like, yeah, kill the Time Lords. Oh, no, he's like, kill me, you coward. You can't kill me because you're a coward. And he's like, mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> <laughs> he is, and it's great because the master's performance is outstanding, much like Ian McDermott. Um, but the doctor, <laughs> the doctor has no idea who he's going to shoot. And then his mother pulls her hands away from her face. She was one of the weeping ladies and she's crying. And this is where the whole weeping angel like fan yeah. theory comes in, obviously, because she's weeping. She's an angelic being at this point, you know, uh, I, I, I still I, I, I don't understand fully what the the idea of the what the, what he's tr- what Russell Diva is obviously hinting at here because he's said weeping angels like he's had Rassilon yeah. say yeah. like the weeping angels of old he's got these people standing in the weeping angel pose he's made the doctor's yeah. mom literally weep coming out of that pose you know like he's clearly hinting at something to do with the weeping angels being time lords here but it's never been touched since yeah, and I like that concept because it makes sense. They have time they've got like powers, these time so powers. Of course, yeah, it works. Yeah. It would work that maybe weeping angels is like a kind of a disease almost. It could be. It could even be that they were developed uh, in the time war as a way to try and yeah. fuck with it. Like they were one of the horrors invented in the time war. You know, you know, weeping angels comes into class at some point. Maybe I, I think they were adding a bit more to the mythology in class, or at least trying to before the show got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I. I, I because when the Weeping Angels always comes back, it's like, they add some stuff to the mythology, but we never add anything Time Lord-specific to the mythology. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if there's anything in other canon, you know, the well, comics well, or the I mean, audio if we, dramas. If we think back to Chibnall's era, we yeah. know for a fact that the Weeping Angels were part of Division. <laughs> 
Oh god, yeah. <laughs> so th- so they they are like a functional species yeah. to have like rules and opinions and stuff like they're not just like monsters that go around by themselves. They have like a whole society and they can work with people. They don't have to kill everybody they see. So mm-hmm. maybe there is an intelligence there, you know? Yeah. I mean, also, the doctor turns into a weeping angel at one time, and it's a method of kind of transport. Uh, they did of... it, right? right? Uh, because yeah. I watched Flux very recently. Uh, they yes. did it, and the, the 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 weeping angels explain why they, they, they turned the doctor into a weeping angel. Um, <laughs> yeah. they, they say it was funny. They they didn't need they did it they legit they were like we didn't need to turn you into a weeping angel to transport yeah. you here. We just thought it would be really funny if you were a weeping angel. And it's um, hilarious. Chibnall <laughs> does love trapping the doctor in a monster state mm-hmm. to transport her as a prisoner, kind of. Because yeah. he did it again in Power of the Doctor when she gets trapped in the Dalek case. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very strange. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Chibnall has so many little bits of oddities and we're not really <laughs> sure why we're there. And I, I can't wait until our interview reveals... Oh yeah, this is why the doctor did this and all that. I'm looking forward to her learning more about the Chibnall yeah. era. Cause Same, because it's, it's it's the most co- era. confusing era of all time. Um, <laughs> but the doctor, seeing his mother, makes his decision. He turns back around, aims the gun at the master. Do you know? Do you know why he makes that decision, folks? It, it's it's very subtle, and I didn't pick up on it for a long time. Go on, it's then. because it's because the doctor's mom kind of flicks her eyes mm. to the machine. Oh, very subtle yeah, yeah, yeah. i never is, noticed about as a kid that's a that's a nice little detail nice little detail there for sure um he points the gun at the master and then he says get out of the way fires the gun at the machine causes a big explosion i fucking everything's going wrong he's basically cutting off the access to the bridge because that's where the little yeah. crystal thing is um and, and then the prophecy lady starts screaming gallifrey fallen gallifrey yeah. falls yeah and and, like, and yeah. rassilon's like well if you're gonna send us away and kill us i'm gonna fucking kill you doctor and the doctor's like yeah i know i've accepted my fate uh, this is how i die uh, but then the fucking master gets up and he says get out the way oh that's the same like david dad just fucking said it was so cool and he starts firing fucking electric blasts at rasselas there's explosions everywhere it's such a cool way to send the master off in the episode it's so he cool. also counts up to four blasts which is perfect that's so good that's so good yeah that's so and he, good and he, and he also briefly turns into skeleton again which again i don't like but it's fine the, it scene, does, the scene itself is great the i scene like is, when oh. the master is kind of redeemed for a little bit i love it he shows I l- up. yeah i love redeemed Ma- <laughs> i love when the master turns into a good guy for the briefest of moments you know uh, when they start working together it's so 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 good oh do, do you think the master will ever be redeemed for good for like more than one season because i know she missy was redeemed at the end of series 10 for multiple uh, episodes yeah i think i think the only way the master gets redeemed is when they make a spin-off show yeah but you and know it, they've they, they've made spin-off sh- uh big finish audio dramas with um yeah no but i mean fucking... i mean like a spin-off disney plus show where mm. the master is like an anti-hero trying to yeah. do good you like know Black Adam. <laughs> yeah you know they're 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 like they're like going around like maybe they'll kill people because like haha i'm not the doctor yeah but they they've got a companion with them that is like maybe you shouldn't kill people and they're like oh geez yeah that's that's it's called master who um <laughs> I, I, I kind of hope we don't go down that angle unless they explicitly state it in doctor who itself you know if 
the master suddenly turns to good and that's a multiple episode arc of the yeah. show and then he gets his own spin-off i'd be down with that it's like venom from yeah. spider-man comics he turns good and he gets his own spin-off i'd uh, watch a master show for sure if it was if it was decent apparently the war master series no, i'd watch if it was i'd watch if it was bad uh, yeah, the Warmaster series is supposed to be superb. Uh, Derek, Derek Jaco- I was of... I was chatting with a friend of mine about this today. That's been or today yesterday. That was um, <laughs> been listening to the the Big Finish uh, shows with Derek Jacoby, and he's like, he is the master. He's the yeah. best master. Uh, That's what I keep on hearing, <laughs> like... which is great because on the show, Derek Jacoby was only the master for like one minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's there's so much big finish. There's, yeah, I want to listen to it, but who the fuck has time to do that? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, bar- I barely have enough time to watch Doctor Who for his fucking podcast. I know, and like, <laughs> I'm not to research, and it's like, there's, there's not enough time, not yeah. enough time at all, not enough time. Um, but then the Time Lords vanish, everything goes back to normal. Gallifrey vanishes, and the Doctor is left alone in the mansion. Uh, the music is victorious, and he's like. Oh my god, I'm alive! As, I, as a kid, I'm alive. Like as a, as a kid, were you kind of fooled by this moment, thinking, "Oh, maybe the Doctor doesn't regenerate at all. Maybe this is all a big fake out by Russell T Davis." Maybe as an adult, I'm still fooled by this moment. You know, it's such a brilliant yeah. moment. Like because I think I was fooled by the fucking ending of whatever part one of the Stolen Earth was. Was it mm-hmm. Journey, uh, Stolen Earth? Was part one? Journey's End was part two, but. Stolen Earth ended with the Doctor regenerating. And then I thought the Doctor would regenerate, you know, uh-huh. into the next Doctor. And then the next episode after that was called The Next Doctor. Yeah. And it was oh, another I, fake out. I, I, got, I remember the next Doctor fake out. I remember that. I really didn't like that episode as a kid uh, at all. Um, so I was like, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, you know. You like, know I can't be fooled anymore. You know what's interesting? Is yeah. Russell T. Davis is taking that next Doctor idea of the current incarnation working with the next incarnation, seemingly into this next series. With, yeah, I'm really with, interested. With Shooty Gatwa and David Tennant, yeah. yeah. I always forget that fucking Shooty Gatwa has seemingly shot scenes as the Doctor yeah. before this current Shooty. Yeah, he's right se- seemingly he's in these specials with David Tennant, like... It's but weird. I wonder how big of a role on if it's going to be like one scene or something. Who knows? Um, but as David Tennant is there celebrating, you can't believe he's alive. Suddenly there's a knock, 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 knock on the glass. Wilfred is trapped in the box. The music changes. Realization crawls across David Tennant's face yeah. as you at home feel your heart shatter because you forgot Wilfred was in yeah. that box. <laughs> like... Wilfred, Wilfred entered that box like 15 minutes ago and the doctor was like, no, don't get in there. Yeah. I mean, you kind of forget he's in that box. We cut to Wilfred a few times, but you kind of forget about the box because of the whole thing between the Master and the Time Lords and the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And then the moment where it's revealed that he's still in that fucking box is so powerful to this day. It's ridiculous. It's so well done. Like, there's that, the, the tapping. And then when the music yeah. cuts out and you just hear the, the knocking again, you know? Like, oh my God. Oh I know, the whole, the, the whole plot device of the two doors was established before writing this episode for Moffat. Like, he came up with the idea of the two doors that would result in the Doctor's death before he even considered 
what the plot should be for this episode. Mm-hmm. He had no idea how these doors would work, but he wanted them to be a plot device like a two levers in Doomsday, where Rose and the Doctor needed to hold on to them and let the, to the, to let the Daleks and the Cybermen through the rift, only for Rose to lose her grip. And I never thought of this before, the two doors being similar to the two mm, levers in yeah. Doomsday. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like poetry, it rhymes. You know, it's another Star Wars... Another Star Wars connection. (laughs) (laughs) And at an early point in the story, Russell only considered that the Doctor would have to save a technician named Keith to emphasise that the Doctor would sacrifice himself to save non-important people. And then he had this brilliant idea that it should be wealth. Mm -hmm. Which, if you read the writer's tale, you can read the moment where where Russell stumbles onto the the idea that it should definitely be wealth in that box. And it is glorious to read because he's like, yes, I figured it out. It's perfect that it should be Wilf. Because I like how Wilf is the person who goes into that box to save that poor technician. Yes. Which is adds so much to Wilf's character. He's so much like the Doctor. That's why the Doctor and Wilf are like perfect together. Not in a lovey way, but you know. <laughs> well, in a certain lovey way. Like, not in a romantic lovey way, but in definitely, like, a familial, like, yeah. you know, love way. You know, like, they, they see each other, like, you know, it's like father-son relationship that they have. Yeah, but yeah, the two men are just so similar. Like, they don't... They bo- they bo- they, they've both been in war, but they mm-hmm. don't kill anyone, which yeah. is great. It's a great plot device, and it's... Again, just Wilf is just such a good it's character. So, I it's love such, a, such a good character, and it leads into such an amazing monologue from David Tennant. When this is the monologue, know. you know, uh, say your point, what did you say? Yeah, sorry. When David Tennant stands up and we see Wilf in that box for the first time in a long time, yeah, you see the Doctor's reflection inside the yes, box. He's yes. already made up his mind. He knows. He knows what he, he knows what he has in. to do. And that's what I really like about the monologue because the monologue is him trying to justify to himself that yeah. he that he doesn't need to go in. He's trying, he's like, I, he knows he's going in that box, but he's like, I fucking, I don't want to. I don't want to go in the box. I know I, I know I am. I know I have to. I know every fiber of my being is going inside that box no matter what. But oh my God. God, I do not want to do the right thing. You know, it is it's 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 this amazing hero's dilemma where he is yeah. he he knows how much of like it's just it's the perfect fucking hero monologue. I, I fucking love this monologue, you know. I like it because it, it he's kind of going through the seven stages of grief. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how many stages there are, but I would just say I think seven. seven. I think it's seven. <laughs> yeah, he's basically going through the Five? seven stages of grief at this point. Idea. He's kind of in denial, and he gets angry, and he comes to acceptance, you know? Yes, yes. But uh, my problem my problem with how the Temp Doctor regenerates is, I like that he goes through this moment of just grief, but I also want the moment where he kind of accepts his death. Right, okay. Kind I, of never really accepts his death. He doesn't super accept his death. Uh, speaking about grief... There, uh-huh. there, there are either five or seven or four okay. or nine stages. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's just say there's ten stages because it's a tenth doctor. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like I think, th- but I think that that's what I like about David. Like this model, this mm. mo- mo- Like we'll get to the last line when when we yeah. get when we come to that scene. But but this this scene in particular where he's where he's going through his head. 
I have to save Wilf. I like I mm-hmm. I have to do I want to do more. I have to I, I I know I could do more. I could save so much more people, but I have to end it now. I have I can't let Wilf die. Is this absolutely just oh, it's so good. I I I can't yeah. I just I want I want more monologues in my TV shows. That's why I, <laughs> I love Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad's just monologues the show, you know, like <laughs> What I've come to love about this regeneration is, it's the first regeneration where the Doctor kind of goes, yeah, I can regenerate, but it's basically a new man that goes goes off and saves yeah. other people. I won't be the same. I won't be me. Yeah, I'll be um, a different person entirely. You know what else I really like about about this this specific sacrifice that David Tennant's Doctor has to make is it goes back to that small-scale story that Russell T. Davis originally wanted. Yeah. Because this is not David Tennant sacrificing his life to stop Gallifrey. This is not David Tennant sacrificing his life to stop the Master. This is him sacrificing his life to save an old man in a box. You know, he's not saving the world. He's saving one guy. He's giving up his Mm. entire life to save one guy. Like, it's fucking perfect. Like, because the whole time it's, like, set to be this huge scale, like, the the universe is ending, Gallifrey's back. It's like, none of that's important. It's about saving one man. Like... I'm I'm secretly kind of hoping the next time we see Wilf, he's like, hey, wait a minute, you're fucking, you're the same person. You look exactly the same. What the fuck happened? After all the speech, you made me feel guilty for ending your life. Do you know how much survivor's guilt I've had? (laughs) (laughs) That is going to be an interesting conversation. Like, how the fuck is he going to come back? I think part of it is that maybe, you know, his last line is, I don't want to go. We'll get into that. But Mm -hmm. maybe the toy maker who's rumored to be the villain it's yeah. seemingly confirmed he's basically the villain of yeah. the new uh, trilogy of specials next year maybe the toy maker kind of grants the doctor a wish maybe perhaps, maybe and brings him back and maybe the doctor's lesson in that trilogy is maybe i don't want to go back to being me maybe i want to keep going forward i don't yeah. want to rely on nostalgia Mm-hmm. Could be. It could be could like be. a whole lesson for like. It could also apply to the show, like, <laughs> two feet kind of thing. You know, <laughs> you don't need to keep on relying on nostalgia. Yeah, new ideas. Be bold. And I, like... I, I wonder if Russell T Davis kind of regrets the overload of nostalgia in this episode. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get into that and how it applies to the Moffat era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's a great line just before David Tennant steps into the box. It's like as he's doing it, because uh, he's just like he's finished like shouting at Wilfred and shouting at himself and stuff. And then Ed Wilfred's like, "Okay, just leave me. It's fine. Just leave me to die. It's okay." And then like as David Tennant's getting the box, Wilfred, it's my honor. And it's like, ah, oh, oh my god, like <laughs> it's, oh my god, it's so cool. It's so good. And then seemingly he steps into the box at the exact right time because then <laughs> I know he fucking timed it. In. Yeah, he timed it so well. Like, it, <laughs> If David Tennant kept on his monologue for like two seconds more, yeah. Wilfred would be dead. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then David Tennant gets filled with radiation. He crumbles to the ground in agony, and then there's silence. You assume he's dead, yeah. but then he moves yeah, I, and he gets up again. As, as a kid, when David Tennant hit his face, I was like, "Oh my god, has he regenerated already?" And I was expecting Matt Smith to look up at him. Yeah. Which would have been a fun way to do a regeneration. It would have been a real classic Who way of regenerating as well. Yeah, because, you know, we talked about it recently in The Tenth Planet, 
where the original concept for regeneration was that William Hartnell would be lying on the ground face down, covered mm-hmm. by a cloak. And then next week we'd tune in and uh, Patrick Troughton would take off the coat and it'd be him. Yeah. Which would have been an interesting way to do the regeneration here. It'd be such a surprise. It would be a huge surprise, especially because, you know, the last regeneration with Eccleston was this gigantic explosion. Uh, and this one, <laughs> it does it ends up just being another gigantic explosion. But Yeah, uh, and also Matt Smith, another gigantic explosion. Yeah, I mean, and then Capaldi was... <laughs> <laughs> I, I am I am so glad when Jodie Whitt- Whittaker regenerated and she's like, N- I'm going to fucking step out of the TARDIS. Yeah, I'm not going to destroy it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Matt Smith didn't destroy it. He he regenerated outside the TARDIS as well. Because remember, he was the old guy, old Matt Smith, and he did his huge regeneration, destroyed all the Daleks oh, yeah. and shit. And then when he went back into the TARDIS, it was just that last little bit of regeneration energy where he changed face. Like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm thinking of... um. I'm thinking of Capaldi to Jodie Whittaker, where yeah. again she just sort of flies around and <laughs> yeah. like she pushes a button and then she falls out the target. Falls out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but David Tennant steps out of the tortoise and he's like, oh shit, I'm alive, this is nice, cool and, well, I guess I was dramatic for no reason uh, <laughs> like, imagine if the show just kept going like from there like, just like, I'm gonna just move on like, and the entire season, this is David Tennant keeps like thinking he's about to die like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes, I, I like to imagine that just David Tennant continues for another two seasons, this is just him being a big baby over nothing yeah. <laughs> It's just really dramatic in every episode. He's like, oh my god, I'm gonna die again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Wilfred is like, oh my god, you're you're gonna be covered in scars. You're like, all caught up from that time you fell through the fucking ceiling. And David Tennant rubs his face and all the cuts go away in the most gross sound effect ever. It's it's yeah. like, it's like fucking like... On BBC iPlayer, it's described as crinkling. <laughs> yeah, it's like crinkling your skin. It's like tinfoil. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, but all his cuts go away and Wilfred is shocked and David Tennant's like, ah, fuck, I'm, I'm regenerating. It's 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 starting real slow. Uh, like how it started with Matt Smith, where he was like, yeah. you know, just an old man. And so his body started repairing his old cells before it got to regenerating his body, you know, which is weird because wonder... it didn't do it with, with the other old doctors. Yeah, but... it, it didn't happen with Hartnell. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I guess the only reason why that happened was because you don't want to see old man um, Matt Smith. Yeah, you want, you want to you, see the actual Matt You want Smith. to see Matt Smith in his bad wig saying goodbye <laughs> <laughs> to Karen Gillan in her terrible wig. <laughs> God, terrible wigs all over the place. Just both happened to be doing movies where they were bald. <laughs> uh, but this is... Uh, uh, also where we get our goodbye to to wilfred um although david tennant does say here it's not he's gonna see wilfred again you know this isn't yeah, one this la- one last time one which last was a time. fucking lie because we're gonna see him again next year yeah so. yeah he fucking lied to wilfred yeah he did although technically this is the last time the 10th doctor sees wilfred uh true you know you know i i um, still don't I, i'm not sure how i feel about the da- uh, david tennant becoming the 14th doctor i don't like the two 10 and 14 yeah we'll see how i I, i'm hoping there's a twist where it turns out 
where 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 David Tennant is like, yeah, you're the real Fourteenth Doctor. <laughs> Should he got like, that exact no, line? I, see, I I I would I think I'd get annoyed at that, at that point because then I'm like, why are you fucking around? Tell like with all this misinformation saying Fourteenth and Fifteenth and Fourteenth, you're just confusing people. Bro, they've already confused people with the War Doctor and the million uh, other Doctors. I think Timeless Children are like, like Timeless Children. You can ignore, right? Mm. War Doctor is easy as fuck to understand. I think that the hardship, like the hardship cup, like there's people that. <laughs> do you remember the fucking comment you sent me? Something's like, oh my god, thanks for telling me David Tennant's leaving the show when they yes. revealed Shooty Cat was costume. <laughs> like the fucking come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's yeah, no winning. I, there's no winning. I, I remember being a shitty kid in like 2013 when I was 15 years old, and I was like, I, I really love David Tennant as the 11th Doctor as soon as John Hurt was revealed. <laughs> Even and my friend was like, my friend was like, but he's a, he's a tenth Doctor. I'm like, no, he's not. I, I, <laughs> I did the same as a kid. Uh, although I, I always would say David Tennant's the tenth Doctor, but if I was ever chatting with someone, because I, I love trying to figure out the Doctor incarnations because they don't uh. make sense at all. Because like David Tennant is the tenth Doctor, but technically the eleventh, but also technically the twelfth yeah. because he regenerated into himself. <laughs> like he's done that twice now. Like yeah. <laughs> it gets messy so quickly, yeah. like instantly. David, David Tennant has been in. One, two, three, four, and soon to be five regeneration scenes now. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then this is where David Tennant now goes on his nostalgia tour, uh, looking back at his past companions and what they're up to. Uh, and he starts with Martha and Mickey, which oh, no. is a pairing I do not like. It's a pairing yeah. that makes no sense. And Martha and Mickey are married. And they're going around, I guess, fighting aliens underground. It's like a spin-off show that never happened. Um, yeah. But but the, the yeah. idea of Martha and Mickey getting together, two characters that have uh. zero scenes, like like almost zero scenes together. Yeah. You know, like they have like no chemistry. They, it's just there. There's there. There's one thing they have in common. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that scene in the Family Guy and Simpsons crossover special. Where they're cutting to all the characters who are kind of similar, and we cut to the two news broadcasters, uh, we cut to like the school teachers or whatever, and then we cut to Lenny and uh, Cleveland. No, sorry, <laughs> Carl and Cleveland. They're both black, and, and I think um, Carl's like, "Oh, you know why they brought us together?" And Cleveland's like, "Yeah, because we're totally awesome." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, um, bring in two black characters together that have not got. They have never no reason to be together. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It, I don't want to accuse Russell T Davis of being racist because he's also not trying to be racist in this moment. But it's a terrible trope in yeah. fiction. I would say it's 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 not good. <laughs> it's it's not good like, at all. If if you if you want to shoehorn Mickey in, shoehorn him into the uh, Rose and Jackie scene. I guess I, I it's it's nice to see that Mickey moved on from Rose after Rose's death, you know, uh, death. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, why Martha? I guess because you want to have it go with a companion because like Mickey, yeah. Mickey deserves to have that connection still to the alien world. But 
and there's nobody else because Donna doesn't remember anything. Like, I think that that could yeah. be, probably just be the justification is there was nobody else he could have got together with, but why does he have to fucking get together with somebody? Like, yeah, the original idea was that Martha was just going to be on her own fighting on Sontaran, and then the doctor would hit the Sontaran in the back of the head, and Martha would just hear the sound of the TARDIS leaving. I don't mm-hmm. know why Mickey's in this scene. It's it's really awkward, and I also just Noel Clark in general is really awkward to see in this no, current no, year. Uh, uh, no, no, Clark will see. It's it's it, it's probably it's messier than the fucking John Barrowman one. Like yeah, for uh, sure. Like, yeah. like God knows about the allegations. God knows about the documentary Noel Clark's making with Channel Four. Oh, God, God, God <laughs> like like all the allegations I think have been dropped now. Like it's it's a this, fucking mess. Okay, yeah, we're not gonna get into it in the show yeah. properly, but it, the thing is. He basically said there was no investigation, and that's why he's innocent. That's, that's his only reason of being innocent. There's no, <laughs> there's no inv- investigation. It's like, but that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, yeah we're, 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 we'll avoid that topic. <laughs> God knows. Uh, I liked Mickey. Uh, I'm separating him from any yeah. anybody else. Um, but uh, we then move on to Sarah Jane Adventures as the kid without a belly button is walking down the street. Uh, <laughs> oh, Luke. <laughs> yeah, Luke, he's got no belly button. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, as um, th- we get like a goodbye with Sarah Jane, and this is also where we find out that the Wi-Fi did everything. Don't worry about it. But that's how we're justifying people yeah, forgetting. Um, fucking David Tennant saves Luke from getting hit by a car. <laughs> I wonder if it's Which the same a- car that killed fucking uh, Rose's dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's apparently an inside reference to the fact that in the Sarah Jane Adventures, because Maria lives across the road, they have scenes of them running across the road constantly to the Sarah And they Sarah never, they never look. Yeah. And they never look, and that's an inside joke, apparently. But apparently, they show a few scenes where, after being saved by David Tennant. Luke would run across the street to run to Sarah Jane, and he didn't look across the road. And we were like, no, we have to show him looking across the road. <laughs> <laughs> like, like David Tennant just fucking saves him when he runs across the road again, and he gets Ama- hit yeah. by a car. Amazing. That'd be amazing. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but- oh, but this scene made me feel sad because obviously Liz Slayton isn't with us anymore. Yeah. And was yeah. this her last time in the show? Yeah it's 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 tragic but you know at least there at least there's a goodbye with the character you know yeah. like at least we do have like a, some sort of conclusion with that character we almost skipped this without talking about death of the doctor where it's revealed that he goes off to see every companion in this montage and we have that brilliant scene in death of the doctor between joe and the doctor which i really, really like yeah yeah it's uh Oh God, David Tennant was a busy man saying goodbye to everybody. Uh, which, which he was. <laughs> like, can you hold off regenerating? I guess you could for like a while. It would be, it would be like holding in like, like vomit or something. You know, like you could, you mm. could fight it back for as long as you can until your body's like, no, it's got to come. It's got to come out right now. You yeah. know. I, I guess uh, it would be like or a sneeze. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I do wonder where it drops off because there's some companions he's only visited he's only had for like one episode does he go back to adam from series one it was a really shitty companion no, he fucking hated adam he was like adam fuck off you know you you might have got that brain thing you dick like... <laughs> uh but we then cut to john barrowman who is in a star wars bar um yeah. <laughs> which is just every alien that's ever appeared in the show um even... And I, I, I fucking love this location because it's like 
so incredible to see all these aliens together for some reason. It's the most like, sci-fi I, I, Doctor Who feels ever. It's like I really <laughs> like it. I want more like aliens like showing up all over the place, you know. That's why I really loved the episode Time Heist because we had more yeah. alien designs interacting with each other. It's not like one alien. But yeah, um in this scene, Jack was originally going to snog a Slovene. Amazing. But Russell T. Davis thought it would be funny to make the doctor a gay pimp, which is <laughs> the Russell D. Davis's line. I didn't say that. <laughs> Because this is where the Doctor sets um, Jack, Captain Jack up with Alonzo from the Titanic episode, which is some very, very fun bit of flirting between the two of them. It's, it's a very fun scene. Captain Jack will always have a special place. Such and this a good is probably, guy. This is probably the last time Doctor Who felt gay, <laughs> I would say. Oh, well, I, give it time. Give it time. Because <laughs> there was uh, there was times in Russell T Davis era when you were watching it, he was like, "Yeah, this is one hundred percent a gay show." <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously, it's even more overt in Torchwood, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Where every 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 character in Torchwood was bi or gay. I yeah, really like that about Torchwood. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, we then cut to uh, an interesting goodbye. Um, which is the goodbye. I get why they did it though. Um, yeah. with the the lady uh, that played John Smith's wife, who's I have the actor's name, face I know, name I don't remember. Um, she's from Spaced and also yeah. Nativity too. She plays David Tennant's wife apparently, or no, she plays like a newscaster or a God, singer or something. Fucking, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, I know her, <laughs> I know her from Spaced. I know her from Spaced. Amazing yeah. show. Um, but she is the aunt, like the granddaughter of. Yeah. Uh, the person that John Smith was uh, engrossed with, and she wrote a book based off her grandmother's journals. Yeah, uh, which I, which I like is a good it's a good yeah, callback. Um, it is it is a good callback. So the, the director of this episode, Euros um, Ross, I can't remember his last name, Euros or something, but he was thinking that this scene is kind of pointless because nobody re- would remember who Joan was because obviously it had been like two and a half years at this point mm. and her face is unrecognizable because only because she's only been in two episodes mm-hmm. and he screened this episode with this scene cut out and russell t davis never noticed and he was like yeah you never notice that scene you don't need it and russell t davis was like you need the scene in and it's a nice scene yeah i i completely understand why he was like you don't need this scene because it's a weird one to have but uh, I think it just it does add that little bit more, especially because yeah. like over the years, uh, that two parter of the uh, fucking human nature isn't it? Was it fucking yeah. yeah? That that two parter is has become like w- like regarded as one of David Tennant's best episodes ever. You know because it is it's fucking outstanding, and to actually be able to cap off that episode with like where David Tennant's like, was she happy? Did she have did she have a good life? You know, he still has that 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 connection to her in his heart somewhere. You know, it's 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 just it's just this lovely little 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 tick, little little dot in the eye to sending off his character. You know, what I find funny about this scene is, um, it opens up with a man getting an autograph from her, mm-hmm. and basically he's like, "Is the story true?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's true." Um, and he she basically tells her, she she basically tells him what the story is in the book. And it's like, yeah, he he obviously likes the book a lot. Why are you telling him the story? It would be like if you walked up to George Lucas and was like, yeah, can I get your autograph? And he told you the story of Star Wars. <laughs> Honestly, George Lucas probably would do that. 
But like, yeah, like, you see, it's this farm boy named Luke. Yeah. <laughs> what what I find interesting as well is David Tennant walks up and he's like, make it out, like, get me an autograph, make it out to the doctor, and then she's like, oh, that's funny. That's what my grandmother would said he was called. I was like, you just wrote a fucking book. Surely in the book it says that. Surely this is just some guy that's like, I really like the book. Call me the doctor. Yeah. Like, you know. But maybe actually, doesn't he draw himself in the journal? Maybe she saw some of those maybe, photos yeah. or drawings, and he's like, "Yeah, well, that's a perfect image. You are the, the drawing, you know." Maybe, maybe, but mm, and, don't know. and also uh, the character's name is Verity Newman, which is named after Verity Lambert and Sydney Newman, who were the creators of the show, which is a nice little touch. Oh, yeah. And also in Human Nature, John Smith says his mother's name was. Uh, Verity, which mm. is again a reference to her, which is yes. yeah, lovely little bit of referencing. Lovely bit of referencing. We then cut to Donna Noble's wedding. Uh, remember this; this will be important for when we next see Donna when she's married yeah. and has a kid. Um, which is just you know, it's a wedding scene. What are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Nerys is there, and we have a funny little banter where she's dressed up like a peach. <laughs> you know uh, the famous Nerys who's like the arch nemesis of Donna mm-hmm. we're yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 uh, this, you know the wedding scene itself is where like the doctor says goodbye to Wilf and stuff like that but it's it's probably the most memorable for the very famous gif yeah oh, you know it, it's Wilf like crying being like oh, oh goodbye like yeah. you know it's just it's heartbreaking but it is a gif i've used so many times that it's well, yeah, the, 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 scene. The, the doctor buys donna winning lottery ticket. winning lottery well, ticket. winning because yeah, yeah it's winning. so funny if it wasn't he's <laughs> <laughs> like you're one number off get fucked like, <laughs> yeah but he reveals that um donna's dad he borrowed the pound from him which yeah it's a lovely little reference because the only reason we have bernard cribbins in the show because is because the actor uh, uh died didn't yeah, the actor yeah the actor he played the dad died during the filming of partners in crime mm-hmm. and at the last minute they replaced him with bernard cribbins and that's how we have Bernard Cribbins. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. sad the actor died, and I'm glad he got one final tribute. And yeah, at the end of his run, even though he's he only has like two or three lines of the entirety of Doctor Who as it is, mm-hmm. but it's lovely that they have this little moment, and um, Donna's mum starts tearing up a little bit. Really yeah. lovely scene. It is. It is a really lovely scene. Uh, and then we get a slightly canon-breaking scene. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, I've got to mention it. In a scene, Wilf reveals that the two billionaires are in prison. Oh, <laughs> like, right, right. From last week. I totally <laughs> like, missed that. What, I totally missed that. What a weird way to write off two of the villains of a set of his t- two. They were here. they were barely villains. To be fair, they were just a justification to have a big fancy True. house <laughs> and to have the big fancy machine. Like you know, they they were just a means to the end to to an yeah. end really. Um. But then, then we get a really weird, like a, a weirdly canon breaking scene, which uh-huh. is we see Rose Tyler again and we see Jackie yeah. Tyler and they're saying like, oh, like fucking happy new year, whatever the fuck. And, and the doctor like, is like, goes, fuck, I'm dying. Uh, as, as Rose is walking <laughs> past it. <laughs> and they have this, they have this lovely little conversation and Rose says that it's the year 2005 as January 1st, 2005. And the doctor's like, I think it's going to be a really good year. Wink, 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 wink. Um, mm. 
and I guess that Rose just forgot. I guess, like, why would you remember the random conversation with somebody yeah. that you had on New Year's night? But uh, to me, it feels like oh, fucking you're kind of teetering the line here. Like, sh- could the doctor just go back in time at any point and stalk Rose like a fucking creep? Like, yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth in a scene for a long time. But over the last five years, I've just accepted the scene as he's in darkness. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't remember a conversation yeah. you have with someone in complete darkness. I, who you also assume to be drunk. And you're probably a little drunk yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's just a meaningless conversation. We also walk past the, the police box, but we're mm-hmm. too busy talking about shoes or something, so we don't recognize <laughs> the police box either. Yeah. But the doctor leaving it, the police box in that place is kind of irresponsible of them. Yeah, but it's like it's like, you know, like what the doctor says in like season 1 or season guess, 2. Yeah. Like what what do people do when they see a blue police box in the street? They just walk past it. They like, <laughs> like you know. But I, I do like how uh, Russell D Davis eventually landed on making this scene set in 2005 because the original concept was that Rose was going to be seen with the, uh, the Doctor clone, oh the Metal Crisis Doctor, looking up into the sky, knowing that the Doctor was dying. Right. And Russell D Davis found the scene to be too distracting because people would have just had too many questions like, yeah. where how? are they in real life? Do, is there a baby to you? Are they building a TARDIS? And then he was like... Yeah, I could just set this in the past. It's fine. Uh, it's a lot easier. And it, it, it kind of works because it comes as a complete circle. You know, we end the series with 2005 and we start the series with 2005 like a few months later. Yeah. I think that works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it definitely plays into the show ending. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then the Doctor comes across an Ood who's made his way into London somehow. Um, and <laughs> I mean... He- the implication is he's always been watching the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. I love the Ood. They're so cool. Uh, and yeah, he's I'm, like... I'm and they sing him a lovely song. That's it. Yeah, really they're they're like, they're yeah. like the the whole universe is gonna sing for you now, Doctor. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna sing you goodbye because you deserve it, and it's fucking yeah. beautiful. And like the Ood says the line, "This song is ending, but the story never ends," which I I always forget about that line, and I think it works better as saying, "Yeah, the show isn't ending; it, mm-hmm. it continues," which immediately gets undercut by the doctor's <laughs> next line <laughs> yeah uh so then we get the next scene the doctor is alone in his tardis he's walking around he's looking at everything you know he's he's he said goodbye to everything he's, he's about to regenerate and he goes i don't want to go yeah <laughs> regenerates it's a heartbreaking last line there is no deny there is yeah. no denying yeah. that that line makes you cry like that is a fucking heartbreaking loss i don't want to go and then dies like as a kid uh, i was in tears i was in absolute tears as a kid but now when i watch this line it's like i think the doctor kind of goes off too cowardly basically they shot four versions of the last line uh one where he's completely brave and he goes through the spectrum where he's finally he's in complete tears he's he's even more mm-hmm. heartbroken over this when he is in this final version and David Tennant actually chose this because he thought it would be the most heartbreaking. Because if you see the Doctor Fool on crying, you might not cry yourself. Yeah, <laughs> might yeah. And it is a, it's, it's good acting, but I don't like the Doctor ending his life being cowardly. I, I would prefer the Doctor just accept it in a way. Yeah, but I think that that could even play into this upcoming 14th Doctor. 
Yeah, exactly. Is 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 that there is stuff like like even into his whole monologue, like like even like David Tennant's doctor, like when he starts, he's like what nine hundred, and when he regenerates, he's nine hundred and six. Yeah, like he does. He, he is not the tenth doctor for long in his lifespan. You know. Yeah, and and clearly he. he, he Clearly, he fucking loved being that David Tennant. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, you know, he's like, this is the best version of me. I never want to go. Like, uh, so yeah, uh, apparently Russell T. Davis figured out what David's last words should be before he even had an idea for his story. Apparently, he had this idea before, just as David Tennant was being cast. His final well, line. It's the same. Be, same with Chibnall. Same with Chibnall. Chibnall had yeah, the Jody's last line like immediately. You know. But yeah, he only realized just before he started writing this episode that this one line should be the entire theme of this episode. He doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting that he worked backwards, kind of. <laughs> yeah, and it works really well. The issue yeah. is the theme of the episode being, I don't want to go. When you get to the episode, you have no resolve. Yeah. Because yeah. it should be, I don't want to go at the start. And by the end, I've accepted that I'm ready to go. You know, instead it's, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, oh my fucking god, I don't want to (laughs) go, like, you know? Which is why I was so happy of Jodie Whittaker's final line, you know? Yeah. It ends off an era perfectly, because it's like, alright, Doctor, whoever I'm about to be, tag, you're it. Yeah. And it's and it's exciting, you know. And then he turns into David Tennant. I hope he doesn't go, I don't want to go, again (laughs) next year. (laughs) Although it is going to be a fascinating regeneration special next year. I wonder if his last line will be. I wonder if his last line is going to be, I'm ready. I hope so. Something like that. You know, where it's like, okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Regenerates. Like, I think, oh, God, yeah. Some nice, some nice rhyming, some nice mirror. And it's like poetry. You know, it's like poetry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, Matt Smith in this episode. Yes, Matt Smith is in this episode, and he looks young as fuck. Like, <laughs> uh, there, there's some interesting stuff uh, in it when he's going around, you know, like he kisses his legs and stuff. I think the only thing that's weird is when he goes, I'm a girl, uh, yeah. with, a, with a really high-pitched voice. Like, I feel like, what the fuck? Okay. Uh, he's still not ginger. Classic. Uh, Doctor's still never been ginger. They're waiting for yeah. me. Um, <laughs> like, but I love Matt Smith. I fucking, he's one of my favorite doctors. I think he's the doctor from set go i think yeah he steps into such big shoes at such a young age and does it so well and so many people stopped watching yeah uh, yeah so this is um, moffat's first line with the 11th doctor and it's it's perfect because originally he wanted just one line when he was like no i'm gonna write a little monologue and the monologue is just really fun it's it gives you a taste of what this 11th doctor sh- would be mm-hmm and yeah, he again. He, he's just the eleventh Doctor straight from the gate. Apparently, when we were filming this scene, they uh, they decided we can't have a full set of crew members just watching him because that'd be too awkward. He'd be like, it'd be a bit of stage fright if you walk into your first time <laughs> in the job and everybody's fucking staring at you. So we all stood outside, only to realize late later about. Holy shit, Matt Smith is going to come through this crowd. We're all standing here where Matt Smith will arrive. So, yeah, that, that was a botched idea. And um, uh, Russell T. Davis was apparently like, oh my God, I can't be around Matt Smith because he's either he's just going to be awkward, but if I, if I try to avoid him, it's going to come across as rude. So, he wasn't sure what to do. And then he, he suddenly sees, 
Oh, David Tennant is walking across from me. Oh my god, it's not David Tennant, it's Matt Smith and David Tennant's clothes. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and we had this whole conversation and uh, Matt Smith was really nice, he was really charming. Apparently his first lines on set was, Hello, I'm Matt Smith, nice to meet you. <laughs> he, was just, he was just apparently a really charming guy. Nice. I love, nice Matt Smith. I love Matt Smith. I love Matt Smith. <laughs> he's such a good actor as well. He's a fucking... I, I'm glad he's finally in something good again with yeah. with House of Dragon, you know, because after he finished Doctor Who, he did fucking shit constantly. He was cast yeah, he, in nothing good. Like I, he, I, he was in Terminator Genesis, which yeah. is the worst Terminator movie. Yeah, he was in Terminator Gen Ice Ice. Uh, you know, he <laughs> he was in a really shit Netflix horror film. He did like an indie film uh, that I never saw, but that was the one where he yeah. shaved his head and was bald, and it fucked up his finale. Um, I think I might have watched a bit of it. I don't know. I watched some shitty sci-fi movie with Matt Smith. Yeah, where he's, he's got an American accent. He can't do American accents that well. I thought Last Night in Soho, he was fucking great in that movie. He was so good in Last Night in Soho, yeah. As I said, these past few years, Matt Smith's finally coming back, and he's yeah. finally getting cast in good stuff again, and I hope I hope he do- goes on to do so many more things, because I fucking love him so much I find it actor. fascinating. I find it fascinating that he recently said he feels too old to play the Doctor again, which breaks my brain, because it just feels like he hasn't... He just left. <laughs> I know, I know. It's yeah. been a decade... <laughs> But I like I think out of everybody that's ever played the Doctor, he could still go back and play yeah. his Doctor because I mean his Doctor regenerated as an old man, so you can mm. you can you can get away with it. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. plus yeah, David Tennant, see... David Tennant came back in the fiftieth anniversary and he looked <laughs> so much older. <laughs> like... Yeah, he had flat hair and all, but he looks younger now. I think David Tennant. Yeah, better when he with did. more hair. He's got more hair yeah. now. You know, he just more um, hair. And he's <laughs> he, yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna say something. Um, fuck, this has been a long podcast. It has. <laughs> Uh, that does it does bring us to the end of the episode scott so looking back at the end of time part two and even uh, even part one just these two parts in total you know what are your what are your thoughts these 13 so, um, years later i kind of don't like this whole episode i'm sorry to say i like segments from this episode especially the doctor and wealth moments david Tennant is on his a game he's probably never been better in a show but the whole Time Lord stuff is pointless. The whole Master stuff is pointless. And that's uh, that's the main crux of the episode. Just those two things. And they don't really work out in the end. I feel there's some good concepts in there with the whole Time Lords turned bad. But they only arrive on Earth for nine minutes and they do nothing except stand in front of a white wall. Um, I don't like it. But what are your thoughts? <laughs> see, I, see I, this is where I disagree with you. Because... I, I really like this episode. The part one, I completely agree. Part one's a mess. It's fucking, it, mm. it's it's all over the place. But I I do not think that the crux of this episode is the Time Lords or the Master. I don't think that they're the point. I don't think that they're the crux. I think that they're their story, so that there's plot moving forward. But I, the the crux is the character drama in this episode. The crux mm. is David Tennant is going towards his death and what's going to kill him. And you've got these huge these huge like fucking earth shattering events going on around him you know that 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 seem like they should be important but they're not important because they just get resolved he just solves them the important thing is one dude 
you know the story the story is about this the relationship with the doctor and wilf it's about you know the building up of these two men these father figures almost like father figures to each other wilfred fucking loves david Tennant. like (laughs) you know they're each each other's dad like uh it's 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 about them it's not about the master taking over everybody's body it's not about the time lords coming back and i think those are just there to to make it feel like the doctor's gonna die by something horrible when he's gonna to die by something tragic instead i fucking uh, this episode is so good i think the issue that it falls into is it shouldn't be a two-parter because part yeah. part one makes it seem like this is the master's master plan you know it's the master's the reason this is going on ha 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 when when like part one completely distracts from the actual drama of part two you know yeah, yeah my problem with part one is it's like yeah the important things you should know about this story is this time lords and the master and never go anywhere and it feels like part one was a complete waste oh yeah it is yeah (laughs) the way you're kind of describing that makes me kind of think of ryan johnson's star wars Mm. it's all uh subverting the expectations yeah yeah uh, i i really like ryan johnson's star wars (laughs) same (laughs) except for that one subplot yeah uh but even then i kind of i still kind of like it a little bit but not as much as the other stuff but it's also the best shot ever in any Star Wars film. I fucking stand by it. We were sitting in the that cinema scene, and it all cut out silent as the fucking thing went through. I was like, oh my god. Like That scene, that scene with Snoke all, with the red background is fucking yeah. amazing. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. No, I'd say that's it's it's my favorite sequel. I fucking I yeah, I do not I I don't like the sequels a lot, but Last <laughs> Last Jedi is my favorite sequel. Um that's that's angered definitely at least one person <laughs> like <laughs> but fucking come at me like <laughs> oh God, how amazing would part 9 be with if they just hired if, ryan johnson again it would be great Did, even even part 9 with the fucking dude they fired his story seemed amazing uh but he made a really yeah. shit film and got fired <laughs> fucking, fucking matt smith was going to be in part 9 he was supposed Remember? to be like palpatine like he was going to be yeah. like a young palpatine like yeah, again, the poor guy just never gets his break. Never gets his well, break. Well, he did. He does now, but yeah, <laughs> took too long. Took too long. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a big fan of subversion of expectations and story, uh, especially when it comes to character stuff, because I feel like it builds up this impact. You know. Yeah. Uh, the the issue it falls into is if the audience can feel cheated and i think that that's what a lot of people have issues with with like things like the last jedi where they go in they want a star wars movie they want big fights they want laser swords they want spaceships and instead what they get is a chase yeah you know they get a chase film the entire time it's just one it's just they're just getting chased in a spaceship like it's fucking outstanding like but it's not what people went to see the film for you know yeah. uh and when you're watching this finale you're there to see the doctor save the world and the day you know but the saving the world and the day the, the stories don't even fucking make sense like, <laughs> like <laughs> i remember watching the last jedi for the first time now i had mixed feelings i had no idea what the fuck to feel mm-hmm. and then yeah i just watched it again just didn't really enjoyed it like i really liked ryan johnson as a director and he's yeah. also glass onion releases today on netflix as this episode drops oh nice fucking watch that it's fucking excellent yes i'm looking forward to watching that uh, yeah I- another problem i have with this episode it definitely feels like the end of doctor who like- it does it does feel like the end of doctor who like 
with with it capping off in the 2005 and then with the doctor regenerating and destroying the tardis again uh you know the i don't want to go it, it does yeah. you could end the show here and people would be like oh my god the best show ever you know and with the doctor saying i don't want to go i'm crying you're like mm-hmm. Most of the audience was probably like, "Yeah, I don't want you to go either. This show's gonna suck now, but you're gone." The most of the audience literally did say that, you yeah. know. Uh, I remember being at school when I was in secondary school. It was like the like middle seasons of Matt Smith's era, and I was fucking like, "This is the best Doctor Who ever!" Because I I I fucking I love Moffat and I love his stupid dumb "I'm smarter than you" writing, where he's like. You know, his like 20 fucking thousand little cubic boxes that everything has to work perfectly. And it comes out yeah. with this like, it's the most convoluted story ever. And I'm like, this is incredible sci-fi. And I'd go to school, I'd be like, you need to watch Doctor Who. And they'd be like, I stopped watching after David Tennant left. Matt Smith was shit. I was like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, this, the point of the show is the Doctor regenerates. How could you leave yeah. after David Tennant? You're just, you're not understanding the show. Like... <laughs> You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, Matt Smith is ugly, which is a take I'll never fucking understand. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Yeah. Uh, part, of, part of it is on Moffat for saying, uh, sorry, part of it is on Russell T. Davis for being like, end in his era definitively, mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't want to go. And then it's like, yeah, the audience won't want him to go either. But also part of it is on Moffat for not fighting with the BBC enough for saying, yeah. I want the show to be number one in the on a time slot whatever yes because russell t davis was constantly fighting for the show to be like the number one most important show for the bbc because he fucking loved the show and he thought it would it needs to be number one it is number one like mm-hmm. no other show has sold as well as doctor across the world yes yeah. for the bbc yeah and and when when russell t davis was in charge it pulled gangbuster fucking ratings yeah. like its ratings were insane you know? And you could say that Russell T. Davis, uh, sorry, Moffat, could could have done, you know, when Doctor was brought over to America, mm-hmm. it was during season six, yes. Moffat era. Yes. But apparently Russell T. Davis was starting those talks in like oh, 2009. And I guess Russell uh, Moffat kind of went with it. I mean... See, with Moffat, the Capaldi, w- w- sorry, with the Capaldi season, I feel like the budget killed, kind of got less. It, the the Capaldi it, season killed the momentum in America. Yeah, and, completely. The, and, the, and the ratings tanked, well, mm-hmm. not tanked, but got less. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor Who felt like it was less important for the BBC. They started, remember when BBC started airing season 8, season 9, season 10? And it would sometimes be pushed to like 8.30 at night. Yeah, When yeah. viewers wouldn't be able to watch. Like, if I was uh, Russell D. Davis, he'd be constantly fighting with, with the BBC to put it on, like, 7 o'clock or earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I mean, you know, we don't know for sure. Maybe Moffat was fighting, but maybe yeah. the... Because I know the heads of BBC changed really around the time the Moffat actually got put in charge of Doctor Who as well. Yeah. And I know the person that's in charge of the BBC oh, fucking no. <laughs> hates Doctor Who. Like, yeah. fucking does not like it at all. Like, <laughs> not, 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 not as much as Michael Gray in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the, the person that's in charge of the BBC right now is not a Doctor Who fan and has mm. never got it. And I think Moffat must have been fighting up against that. Yeah. But also with Moffat as well, 
is I think he took his attention less away from trying to capture new fans of Doctor Who and more trying to satisfy the really nerdy writer kid that he was as a Doctor yeah. Who fan. Because his story started getting complicated, his story started mm. getting timey-wimey to shit, you know? And like as yeah. a Doctor Who fan, you were like, oh my god, this is amazing. But it, like if you were not already into Doctor Who, good luck. Like... Yeah. like- um, I got my mom into watching Doctor Who around the time of Series 4, when mm-hmm. Series 4 started. She was like, yeah, I've heard you talk about this show and I want to watch it with you. She was fucking hooked. And mm-hmm. we watched Season 1 to, to 4 together around this time of end of time airing, yeah. as we wanted to catch up before the Matt Smith era. Mm-hmm. And she was hooked on the Matt Smith era for about like one season. But then things started to get getting a bit too complicated. Yeah. And she kind of dropped off of the show. She didn't want to watch it weekly with me anymore and then she watched the first ever um peter capaldi episode with me at the cinema i mean after that she never returned to doctor who i mean that's a shit <laughs> episodes but uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um like i remember i watched doctor who with my mom since season one because obviously i was five years old um when it when it first came out uh, so my mom had watched all of Eccleston, she watched all the Tenant, she fucking loved Tenant, and Matt Smith came around, she started to peter off as well, but she yeah. would she would sit and she'd watch the occasional episode with me, and then by Matt Smith's second season, she was back and hooked, and she was like, mm. you know, like, my mom's opinion on Matt Smith is, he started off a bit, like, too David Tennant-y, like, he was, like, yeah. not really his own thing, and then by his, like, second stuff, he really came into his own, and he really became the Doctor again, uh, and then she she also never watched Capaldi. Uh, like... <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Capaldi was a true stop-off point, because, yeah. you know, there was a lot of talk about the Doctor being too old, and yeah, <laughs> I, I hated that talk. I hated that talk. Yeah. I, there was somebody, I mean... there was somebody at my school, right? And this is—it annoyed me since they told me it. Is I was I was sitting next to, in art class with them, all right, and uh... I was watching Doctor Who or talking about Doctor Who. I wish I was watching Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> talking about Doctor Who, and it was around the time of Capaldi's first or second season. And I was like, you need to be watching Doctor Who again. Capaldi is fucking outstanding as the Doctor. He's so good as the Doctor. And she went, eh, but he's like so old. I'm worried he's going to break a hip or something. I'm like, what? It's a TV show. They wouldn't fucking air it if he broke a hip. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, famously, um, David Tennant broke his back. Yeah. Matt Smith broke an ankle or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think uh, Peter Capaldi had surgeries as well. Like all the doctors have surgeries basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't like Matt Smith, like when Matt Smith met Capaldi, he was in a cast yeah. and he went, this, this is what the show's going to do to you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, as we said, just, just around this time, David Dennett broke his back around the filming of end of time part two. Yeah. But no, I, yeah. I love Capaldi as the doctor. He is, underappreciated I, in recent yeah. years i think people have been going back and yes. really loving his seasons uh but i wish i wish when he was the doctor he felt the love that he fucking deserved because like yeah. there's so many little bits with his doctor as well because obviously capaldi is a huge doctor who nerd but like him slowly turning into fucking john pertwee like by his like yeah. last season with the, like whole john pertwee clothes and hair <laughs> like you know <laughs> Uh, and just go, going off of our conversation a bit earlier on about how showrunners basically fight for a show, I feel like Chibnall fought for a show the least because season, season 11 came out and that season did really well ratings-wise. Yeah. It was really well marketed. Then season 12 came out. It wasn't marketed at all. I mean, <laughs> series 13 came out 
And their whole marketing idea was, let's delete social media so nobody could find out when the show is airing. And release a trailer like a week before because ITV might play something yeah. instead. Which, like it's 2006 again. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get viewers that way, which is a big shame because I like Jodie Whittaker's era or the Chibnall era for the most part. It had its down moments, but I came out enjoying more than hating, if you know what I mean. The Chibnall era is my least favorite era of Doctor Who. Yeah. Same. Right. There, there are so many lows so many so many lows in Chibnall's era but there's the occasional high point that saves it you know there's mm. the occasional fucking rosa episode or demons of the punjab or fucking uh orphan 55 where you want to kill yourself then or 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 where it starts off as a really good episode yeah it's like yeah it's amazon is good actually yeah or or paraxis where it's just dog shit the whole time yeah, Joe, like like uh, Chibnall stuff. I don't feel like, but like I think Chibnall is where he falls into it. Like Russell T. Davis is very much yeah. in touch with modern times. He is yeah, he's he active is. online. He's all over the place. Moffat less so, but Moffat is a good writer. Like Moffat, yeah. Moffat can just kind of like he he can be smart and and write what he wants. But when he tries to, especially nowadays, uh, when he tries to write like modern stuff, like I'm still I'm thinking about that fucking show he did for the BBC with David Tennant in it. What the fuck was it called? Um, <laughs> Inside Man. Yeah, Inside Man, where somebody confused a USB stick for a Wi-Fi dongle, <laughs> and it, that fucking pissed me off to no end. Like where he's like, Steve, you know, yeah, Stephen Moffat doesn't understand the internet. It's like yeah, at the start of Saint of with Clara. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Clara's first episode where she's like, "How could I find the Wi-Fi?" Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Moffat doesn't understand the internet, but uh, Chibnall is not on social media. He yeah. like he's very much like a man who definitely reads the newspaper. Like he probably <laughs> doesn't have a computer. Like you know, he is not in touch with younger people or modern society really he's, he's very much in his ways i don't blame him because if he was on twitter he'd, he'd be he'd be he'd, getting he'd like be 20, torn apart death yeah yeah it would be miserable absolutely miserable yes. uh but i think that that plays into why his marketing for social media has not yeah. been as good because he's simply not aware of it you know yeah and you hit an interesting point russell d davis is media savvy he knows what mm-hmm. the media is like and what it's his first thing with Doctor Who was, oh yeah, I'm gonna fucking team up with Bad Wolf Studios because Julie Gardner is a saint. Julie Gardner is like a unsung hero. She was fighting for the budgets and all that. She is amazing, and yeah, teaming up with Bad Wolf Studios because you need to team up. You can't yep. you can't just rely on the BBC anymore because the funding isn't there, and you have mm-hmm. to expand wider. And that deal with Disney Plus, yep. released it internationally on the yep. world's biggest streaming service. Yep, I mean, such a good move. It, it's not even that he's even, you know, and he got flack for this, but he is aware of what British newspapers are like. Yeah. He's he's thinking ahead as to what the public reaction is going to be like. He so he made David Tennant regenerate his clothes. You know, he is aware of the Doctor Who brand and needing to protect it. You know, and needing to market it correctly and to the right audience. He is an extremely smart man when it comes to social media. You know. Yeah, around 2009, BBC started airing idents before shows, which featured uh, Wallace and Gromit characters like playing around in the snow. And I would start off at every program, and he was like, "Why isn't Doctor Who doing that?" So the next year, 
Doctor Who had for very own ident where the doctor is flying a TARDIS with reindeer you know like that's what Russell D. Davis does he's like how could I get the scene for more people how do I get Doctor Who in front of more eyes yep he it's it's amazing it's I cannot wait to see what he does with Doctor Who anyway that was an extremely long tangent uh <laughs> about the showrunners and the marketing of Doctor Who but I think it was a really good conversation yeah. to wrap up this year episode wise you know especially um, when we're in between two eras and we're just covering yes. the end of russell t davis last era and you know it's interesting to go over how much doctor has changed since he last wrote for doctor who yeah it's gone through a lot it's gone through a lot uh and i'm excited to see where it goes next but what have Same we got here. coming up next week scott um next week we're doing the news baby we've got a costume reveal that's basically the only news i haven't read i haven't read this month's magazine yet maybe there's some news in there Um, i've got it sitting right in front of me i haven't even opened the envelope so i've got it sitting behind me i have opened the envelope (laughs) but i haven't read it uh just been working too much goddamn christmas rush like (laughs) uh but uh thank you very much for listening to this episode and thank you for listening this year if you have been listening this year if you've just discovered us fuck me i did the maths we have three full days of audio for you to listen to uh (laughs) we've we've which right there's like i think twenty three thousand minutes of doctor who we have covered 3,000 minutes. Jesus. Yeah, we have covered a significantly low amount of Ooh, Doctor like, Who Like, episodes. we've, like, barely touched it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've only covered the fourth Doctor once. <laughs> and that's seven seasons. <laughs> oh, my God. Metal. <laughs> uh but yeah thank you very much for listening uh we will see you next week in the meantime you can find us on facebook at who watches who on twitter at watches doctor on youtube at who watches who where the podcast is available in video form it's also available in audio form wherever you listen to podcasts and if you are listening to this on a podcast app why don't you leave us five stars why don't you leave Mm. us a review share us with your friends who like doctor who and also like really long podcasts diving into episodes about very specific things uh, like, this, this has to be our longest podcast episode in a while in a while yeah we've been we've been pretty consistent at getting them about to an hour hour and a half recently uh, yeah. for the past few months actually but this this has been a long one uh but there was there was a lot to talk about um but yeah uh you can find me on twitter at cloth223 we have got really really big ambitions for the podcast next year and we have got really really big plans and it would be fucking ace if we could just get this all sorted next week so like if you if you listen into it right if you find 50 people right get get 50 people and then be like be like listen to this podcast okay but if, if once once you tell them, those fifty people have to find fifty other people. So, <laughs> okay, so, so so like think of it like a spam message. We want to start <laughs> spamming people, right? You know, like you gotta download this podcast or your computer explodes. Like just start sending that to everybody you know. Like <laughs> you know, we want to be we want to be uh, uh, like just like a nuisance to people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'd re- we'd really appreciate if you just gave us five stars, shared it around. It doesn't take much to give us five stars, and we'd really appreciate it. You know, it's like yeah. one click of a button, really. Yeah, yeah, is it? Yeah, it'd be really helpful for us. And it would, it yeah, would we, actually. We want to start doing 
more things with the podcast. We want to do like Patreon eventually, but we need yeah. our listeners up. We want yeah. to do. I I would like to do Torchwood reviews, more Torchwood, yeah. more Sarah Jane, more Big Finish stuff. There's really, so much I Doctor would, Who. Really, I would like to stop working and do do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to fucking work anymore. I just want to chat about Doctor Who. So if we can make that possible, that'd be pretty chill. So, like, <laughs> just yeah, share us around because we we actually like video wise we get maybe five to ten people watching the video mm. audio wise we have a solid 30 listeners you mm. know that that dip in and out every week uh, it averages about 20 25 um but usually it's it's around that level that's a fucking classroom full of people that's a decent amount of people uh i we, guarantee- we also we also never hear from any listeners we'd love yeah. to just hear love, some emails yeah. Any questions? What are your thoughts on the end of time part two? What are your thoughts on the future of Russell T. Davis's era? Yeah, any fan theories? Send us an email: who watches who pod gmail dot com. We will we will read it out and respond to it at the news podcast next week. Uh, even if it, it's st- even if it's spam. <laughs> oh my, oh my. Uh, Scott, <laughs> have you looked in our spam folder? No, I haven't. Uh, we the past few weeks. Somebody must have like <laughs> just sold the email address. We have got over a hundred spam Jesus emails. Right, Christ. right. We we have over a hundred spam emails this week. Oh. I emptied the spam folder last week. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is it is insane the amount of spam we have at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, just. share the podcast around we have big plans we're going to try and amp up our social media presence but both people working full-time jobs both people having to do stuff for the podcast we are no time and busy lives but if we can get more listeners we can dedicate more time it's it's a it's a difficult balance and the internet is a hellscape so you know fuck it let's just chat about doctor who even full-time jobs we're still managing to get podcasts weekly. every fucking weekly. week, which is insane weekly. for yeah. us. <laughs> we've, we've only been late, like, twice. That's yeah. incredible for us. And that was both, like, this month. <laughs> Just because Christmas time is mental. But, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we will see you next week. I mean, this has been a really long conclusion. Uh, so, anyway. Bye-bye. Thank yeah. you very much Thank for you. listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>